2: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
0: Time now for the character and Smallman podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
3: so damn hot! <laughs> Milk was a bad choice!
4: Good morning everyone and welcome to Carricker and Smallman on 101 ESPN at 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Uh, traffic and weather at least once a day here on 101 ESPN. <laughs> and it's 73 degrees, Michelle. At, oh, by the Good it's, it's 73 degrees at 7:01, and it's going to be 94 today, and it's May 12th.
1: I don't agree with that temperature check, Randy. I think it's much higher than 74 degrees right now. As I walked from my car to the studio, I thought it's got to be a cool 87 right now. Let's see,
4: uh, it oh no it even says it feels like 73. i don't know yeah that. because it's may 12th there you go that's, yeah it's
1: that's probably why
4: yeah so anyway it's nice and warm today and here we are with playoff hockey tonight here on 101 espn the blues trying to clinch it against minnie eh?
1: hey i love that we opened the show on this thursday with it's so damn hot <laughs> i love that those are the first words people heard on our show today
4: happy friday eve and uh, we got quite a show for you coming up first of all greg amzinger tells us last night shocker he's playing in a golf tournament today and tomorrow so no Greg today but we're gonna to talk to John Kelly we're gonna to talk to Chuck Wallace about the NASCAR Enjoy Illinois 300 coming up June 3rd or June 5th rather at uh, the Worldwide Technology Raceway John Rossi from MLB Networks going to join us a little a little later to talk a little bit about some of the trade rumors surrounding the Redbirds plus Jeremy Rutherford with his Thursday visit as we get ready for the Blues the other night of course the Blues Put themselves in a position to clinch this series with the 5 2 win, courtesy of the Vladimir Tarasenko hat trick. Now, there's been a lot between Vladdy and the organization, right? Mm-hmm. So, even now, you get to this point, and Vladdy has kind of ridden the roller coaster at times under Craig Beruby. So, coach, how's the relationship between you and number 91?
5: I think Vladdy and I really formed a real good relationship. And, you know, it's not always, you know, patting each other and talking nice either, which is fine. I, it's, you know, you got to go at it sometimes, and I'm okay with that, and so is he. It's like, you you know, he, he hears it, or I hear it, and we go on, let's go. Go play. We don't, you know, it's, that's what it's all about.
1: That's what it's all about. Isn't that what you should have with a boss or with someone that you value. If you value that person's relationship and you want them to make you better, you should be able to express your concerns but also be receptive to them pushing you to be the best that you can be. And with Vladimir Teresenko, I think at times that was probably an issue for him. He was the most talented player on the ice and sometimes when you've been the most talented guy your entire life, you might not be open to criticism or you might not mm-hmm. be open to being pushed harder or having someone point out your flaws. And for force you to self-examine and get better. But with Craig Berube, there's no coddling. There's, You better not have an ounce of mental fragility if you're going to be coached by Craig Berube because he's just so blunt. He's just going to tell you exactly how he sees it.
4: Right. That's the thing, Michelle, that every player, when you ask, and we talk to David Braun every week, but we've asked him several times. What makes Bruby Bruby? And if you're a player, you know exactly where you're where you stand. And I think sometimes, especially under Mike Yo, who preceded Bruby, players didn't know exactly where they stood. And I, I think it's sometimes, with a guy as talented as Vladdy, coaches just say, oh, "You're doing fine. Just go out and play," because that's. What they do if they if they're playing great you don't worry about them mm-hmm. but i do think everybody likes to be coached and i'm sure that Vladdy appreciates the fact that in some way shape or manner barubi is coaching him up and he knows exactly where he stands at the end of the day
1: after you win a stanley cup under somebody i think you get the benefit of the doubt if you're the coach mm-hmm. right um, but could there have been a better coach to handle any so even as small as it ended up being any sort of drama like that, off-season or off-ice drama, than Craig Berube. If you're Vladimir Tarasenko and you want to get out and then that doesn't happen and you come back to the team, I don't know another coach that's going to turn the page or get down to business quicker or more effectively than Craig Berube. He's
4: You're exactly the, right. the
1: perfect coach to handle a situation like that.
4: Now, one of the guys that has led the charge, literally, for the Blues in this series has been Braden Shen. And Berube was asked yesterday about the physicality and how physical Shen has been in this series.
5: Well, he's just, you know, we got to continue to bang bodies, stay disciplined though. No, that's important. we got to stay disciplined. we got to be physical on the puck. You know, it's not physicality running out of position it's physicality on the puck
4: now michelle i will tell you that we appreciate braden shen here in st louis love him love him he's he is the quintessential playoff player and they haven't been deep in the playoffs in minnesota for a while Mm -hmm. they don't get playoff hockey they don't get that it's a man's game and it's a hard game now i'm sure they appreciate that eck and uh the, the the grief line right because they play hard and and they're hard to play against. But, apparently, Wild Twitter wants Braden Shen assassinated for playing playoff hockey. He's playing the way that you play to win in the playoffs, and they think that he should be suspended for the rest of the playoffs and fined a million, I'm, I'm exaggerating here, but it's like they don't understand what it takes to win a Stanley Cup championship
1: assassinated, excuse me? Yeah. Okay, so first of all, Minnesota, didn't you all grow up on the frozen pond? Isn't that something that happens essentially when you leave the hospital in Minnesota as you get a pair of skates? If there's any fan base that should appreciate the selflessness and the all-around toughness and the team-minded play of a guy uh, like Braden Chen, it should be people from Minnesota who understand hockey better than anybody. You Mm -hmm. would think that that's like Cardinals fans not appreciating um, a, an all-around great baseball player, someone who's fundamentally sound and who is just there for the team. That would be like Cardinals fans not appreciating Nolan Arenado when he's in Colorado, saying he's yeah, the, he's yeah. the worst. That, Wild fan, Wild fans should love Braden Shen.
4: Well, when you look at what they have in you know, a guy like Marcus Foligno. Marcus Foligno is a poor man's Braden Shen. When he grows up, that's what he wants to be, and that's what they should want him to be.
1: Honestly, though, Randy, if there was a guy who was sacrificing everything, getting racing back on defense, doing the back check. If, if there was a guy who was knocking Blues players out of their skates the way that Brayden Shen is knocking Wild players out of their skates with the physicality, we probably hate him too. It's it's a classic hate us because you ain't us type situation. Yeah. They hate him because they love him. They hate him because they wish they had a player like Brayden Shen. And by the way, Wild, if you're saying Braden Shen is being too physical, I think I remember, hmm, what was that, game one? Game two? They all run together at this point, Randy, where their guy Jared Spurgeon. Crush check someone's ankles. Butch Davis, yep. Davis. So, sorry that Braden Shen is doing legal hits But, here.
4: Michelle, the response among the wild Twitter-verse was, but Spurgeon apologized and paid his fine.
1: You know what? Why are we even giving any light to Twitter? Because this is where trolls live, Randy. We, we don't... We're kind of trolling them. When they go low we go high right yeah. and you know what the ultimate heights is is for winning the Blues to game close, game it, to close yeah. it out tonight and to have Braden Shen be the one who gets the game winning goal
4: or sets it up with a big hit
1: he might do both yeah
2: to Michelle's point I, I mean if you went around and asked a hundred Wild fan before this series listen you can trade Braden Shen for Marcus Felino, and now it's the grease line they would do it every single time because he's the exact kind of player they love but He's the one. He's the one. Put him into the boards instead of Foligno putting blues in the boards, and now they're pissed off. It happens.
1: Do you remember? Um, maybe about a year ago, there was a piece written at the Athletic about why every winning team needs a guy like Pat Maroon, mm-hmm. and yeah. they, they chronicled his career and talked to people all the way from Pee Wee to on a, on a Stanley Cup championship team about the things that he does that makes a championship team run. Braden Shen is that guy. Yeah. You need a, a Braden Shen type player in order for you to be a championship team. Braden Shen, maybe more than anybody I've ever seen, and you've you've covered hockey and the Blues, Randy, longer than I have, but his situational awareness is off the charts. Whenever the Blues need somebody to Activate them in some way, or to set the tone, mm-hmm. or to exert their toughness, or to change the tide. Braden Shen is that guy, and it doesn't matter what needs to be done. If it's throwing down the mitts and going at somebody, mm-hmm. if it's a big hit, the mitts, eh? In the mitts, eh? If it's if it's even just exerting a certain type of energy, Braden Shen is always the guy that sets the tone or changes the tide for his team. And you don't win without guys like no. that.
4: Later in the show, we're going to play Thursday Mad Libs. And today, when you use your mic drop feature with the 101 ESPN app, your Mad Lib is going to be the Blues win game six if blank. You get to answer the Blues win game six if and blank. You have to fill in the blank. So Will Blues win game six if Blank. All right, the Cardinals were winners last night. 60 uh, Cent drinks today at Mobile on the run. 10 nice. 1 over the Orioles, the former St. Louis Browns. Second inning, and the National League's Rookie of the Year did it again. See if he gets it again on the 2 1. He does, and Yepes drives it out to deep left. It's at the wall. Gone!
0: Juan Yepes, his first home run at Bush Stadium. And
4: with that, one swing, one nothing, St. Louis. So now you've got Yachty, you've got Arenado, you've got Goldie, and you've got Yepes.
1: <laughs> You're just putting him in the same category? Yeah, yeah. Why not? He's hit safely in every game he's been, oh, seven games, I believe he's been mm-hmm. since he got called up on May 3rd. He's, he's an igniter, Randy. And how fun has it been to watch Yepes?
4: He's fantastic. And not only that, but then later in the second inning, with Corey Dickerson aboard, Yadi Molina aboard, the Cardinals' new nominal shortstop stepped in. And there it is, and Donovan hits it into the gap in right center,
0: all the way to the wall. Two runs will score. And Donovan stops at
4: second base with a two out double that scores a pair. And the Cardinals rolled to a 10-1 victory. Donovan, by the way, in 20 at-bats, has five hits, two doubles, and a homer. In 86 plate appearances, so 20 plate appearances for Donovan, 86 plate appearances for DeYoung. Uh, Donovan has two doubles, or DeYoung had three, each with one home run. So. Donovan basically way more productive in 20 plate appearances than DeYoung was when 80 with 86.
1: Yeah, that's what I take out of those numbers. Yeah, and the kids are all right, Randy. Whether it's Yepes right. or Donovan, let's get Gorman up here too. Let's just have the young bucks show us what they can Might do as well. I know, right? And can we also just speaking of bucks and stallions? Can we talk about Miles Michaelis?
4: Miles Michaelis last night. Seven innings, he allows one run, strikes out three, walks one, and Michelle, in his six starts this year, Michaelis has allowed two earned runs, one, zero, zero, two,
5: and one. I just kind of keep an even keel, you know, Um, not, not really deviating from the plan, you know, guys get on base, don't change anything up, you know, guys, if a guy gets a blue pit or a guy hits a ball hard, I think the key to being consistent is to keep a a consistent approach whether it's pitch calling location or just the the mindset you know I'm I'm still going to go right at guys I'm not going to all of a sudden shy away from contact just because there's a guy on first and second uh you know with one or no outs you know I'm trying to get a double play I'm trying to get quick outs so I can work deep into the game
1: and he has been I mean he's been using every pitch in his arsenal and it's you know what the best part about this Randy obviously other than the results from Miles Michaelis that it feels very effortless for him Mm -hmm. it feels as if he's not pressing he's so in the zone right now he's been my biggest and and best surprise so far of this season not that we didn't know if he was capable of it but he's been injured so we just haven't seen it for so long and with with some veteran cardinals players recently guys that have been injured haven't necessarily bounced back and so to see miles michaelis be healthy and be this version of himself has been awesome
4: michelle I am not a great analyst, but I'm going to pat myself on the back here. Okay. 2018, he is in the strike zone, wins 18 games with a 2.83 ERA. 2019, they juice up the ball, and he allows a bunch of home runs. His ERA balloons to 4.16. He goes 9 and 14. Then he gets hurt. Now he's back. The ball is humidored. It's de-juiced again. He's in the strike zone, and he's got a 1.49 ERA in seven starts. He was victimized, kind of like Matt Carpenter was victimized by the shift. I don't think any pitcher was more victimized than Miles Michaelis was by that juiced ball in 2019 because it was flying out of the ballpark. And he's a a pitch-to-contact guy. He's a fill-up-the-strike-zone guy. And if you're hitting the ball and and it's juiced, there's a much stronger likelihood of it going out. So that's my analysis is that he is benefiting again from baseball doing the right thing.
1: Thanks, thanks, baseball. We appreciate you making those adjustments. Mm-hmm. I'm sure as My- Miles Michael says, and you know what's funny about that, Randy is. We forget about stuff like that, and there's no asterisk when you go back and look at the numbers. Hey, right. remember what was going on with the balls then, and that this could be contributing to some of these numbers that you see? And if you're Miles Michaelis, if you come out and say something like that at that time, well, have you seen what's going on with the ball and how it might affect me? People just use it as an excuse. They'll right. say, come on, the, the results are all we care about. If the production isn't there, I don't want to hear anything about the about the way the ball might have changed. But you're absolutely right. It could have totally affected him negatively.
4: First year with the Cardinals, he allowed 16 home runs, in 200 innings the next year he threw 184 innings and allowed 27 home runs so far this year he's allowed two home runs in his 35 and a third innings pitched all right so there you have it by the way last night memphis was up by 55 on golden state and they beat him by 39 and they stay in the series to just to go back to san francisco and get beaten game six without jaw i know it's unbelievable
1: i couldn't believe it
4: if ever there was a, a team that did not care about playing, it was last night's Golden State Warriors. Yeah. So that happened though. Game one of the 1985 Finals, it was called the Memorial Day Massacre. The Celtics just trampled the Lakers. It was I think 148-114. Horrible game one performance for the Lakers, and then they came back and won the series in six. So some teams just take nights off, so even in the
1: playoffs. So you're still taking the Warriors.
4: Big. Big. Yeah, I am. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Matthew is here. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service. Text line 65780. Sick of it. Coming your way on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
4: I'm over it, Sharon. I can't take
6: this no more. I am done. I'm sick of it. Do you hear me? Sick of it. I can't take
0: it anymore.
4: These people are the worst. Carriker and Smallman are sick of it. We do welcome your texts to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Michelle, Matthew, and Randy and Michelle, we give a lot of credit to the NFL for their ability to market. They're brilliant. They're a machine. That being said, I'm sick of the hype over a schedule release. We're finding out where teams are going to play and when. We don't need to have three TV shows about it. Just turn it out, put it on the interwebs, and I'll be fine. I do not need to have a lot of pomp and circumstance surrounding the release of a sports schedule.
1: But there's a lot of people that will be tuned in, and there's a lot of people that are going to be very hyped to find out who their team's opponents are. That's the problem, right? I know.
4: I, I give the NFL credit, but wouldn't you be just as excited if it showed up on ESPN.com? Do you need a three-hour show to break it down?
1: If you're the NFL, you do.
4: I, that's why I give them credit. But it's silly.
1: It is silly, but it's not as if they're doing this and then there's no reaction or no audience for it. Absolutely. They're doing it and the audience is clamoring for more.
4: It, it, it's getting headlines. The release of a schedule yes. gets headlines.
1: It does. It I'm absolutely just sick of it. does. I understand why you're sick of it. Now, if we had a team here, would you still be sick of it?
4: I don't need that kind of hype. I can, I tell you what, I can go through the entire evening, not watch the show, and then click on ESPN.com or NFL.com if I have a team and say, oh, there's my schedule. I don't need to watch a show for it.
1: Or tune in at the very end and just yeah. see, see who your team's opponents yeah. are for the entire season, I understand. Yeah. Would you
2: be less sick of it if the actual, like, flat-out who you're going to be playing hadn't been released Five months prior and it's not now it's just the actual when it's falling in the year like if the fact of what division you're playing you know and and what in each conference if that was held back until this TV special would you be more into it
4: well see that's a template We, we there's a formula so we know we know who the Rams are gonna play four years down the road so that that's not it Although I guess it would be different if you if it was like it used to be and you didn't know and it was more like the NCAA selection show and you say, oh, they're playing Team X this year. So, yeah, that would be, be a little bit different if it was more like the NCAA selection show. But I already know who everybody's going to play, so mm-hmm. you're just telling me when.
1: Well, like I said, they're oh, responding it, to the demand.
4: Yeah. Well, We're addicted yeah, as a country they, to the they, NFL. They, We're fully addicted. Yeah. They, they have built that demand. And good for them, but I'm just thinking...
1: I, I understand. Uh, well, buckle up, Randy, because I'm I'm actually angry. Sometimes this segment, it's like, oh, I'm sick of the weather. No, I'm actually angry too. There's something I'm really sick of. Gary Bettman, I know you love the show. I know you stream character and Smallman all the time. Every day. And we thank you for that. We love you for that. I know that you're listening, and I need you to not only just listen, but hear me. <laughs> An 850 puck drop in St. Louis, 850 puck drop for game six tonight. I was already sick of an 830. Because by the way, when they say, oh, it's an 830 puck drop, no, it's 840, 847, maybe 851 if things are taking a while. To have the puck drop be at 850, knowing we're not even going to get any action till at least 9 p.m. What do you think we are? It's two Midwestern teams. People have to work the next day, Gary kids have to go to school. Are kids still in school? I don't have kids. I think kids, yeah, are, still I think so, yeah. kids are still in school. Kids had prom, yeah. Yeah, they just had prom, okay? Kids are in school. If kids want to come to Game 6... Think about what that does for parents. You're gonna have to have the kids be so tired, maybe leave early. They might be cranky in the third period. Think about the the mood they're gonna be in the next day. Randy, yesterday I went to get a coffee and I was looking around, everybody was a zombie because they had all, I looked around and I go, I know everyone is looking this way because we all had to stay up so late to watch the Blues game. And we're choosing, of course, to stay up to watch our team. But what are we doing here? 8.50 for two Midwestern teams? Give me a 6 p.m. puck drop if you're feeling crazy because I know I'm not going to get it until 541. Come on, what are we doing here? I'm so sick of these games starting so late. And yes, I'm being a little selfish because we have to get up super early, but this is what I'm sick of.
4: But let's be honest. Around the country, is the fact that the Blues and the Wild playing at 850 going to affect TV ratings at all? So you've got, right tonight, you've got... Carolina-Boston at 6. You've got Toronto-Tampa at 6.30. If you start the Blues at 7.30 rather than 8.30, and then you move into the Oilers and the Kings, are the Blues... TV ratings going to be dramatically different nationally if you have the game at seven thirty rather than at eight thirty. No, b-
1: I bet in the third period they would be because how many people are turning off the game because they're tapped yeah. out? They're like, I can't do it. I got to go to work tomorrow. Now today might be a little different because tomorrow is Friday, but I would. And it's leave- Friday Eve. Yeah, Friday Eve. I would love to see what the ratings were in the third period for Tuesday night's game.
4: Yeah, but nationally, I, you, you should be focusing on St. Louis and Minnesota. That's my point is because
1: even on the East Coast. Yeah, let, let's
4: be real. Who else cares about the Blues in the wild outside of St. Louis and Minnesota? Uh,
1: there might be people nationally that are caring about yeah, the maybe Blues, little Randy. Little blue. I don't know, but e- if you live move on the it to East-
4: seven thirty, and it's not going to if you uh, if you pacify us. It's not going to negatively affect your league that much.
1: No. So you should be playing to your, mm-hmm. your time zone. Whatever yeah. time zone the teams are playing in, you should be considering them. Because honestly, Randy, I, th- I think about that. I'm going to the game tonight. My do not disturb on my phone goes on at 9.15. That's when <laughs> Apple is telling me, hey, babe, it's time to wind down. We, we might be four minutes into the game right. by the time my phone go- is telling me it's time for you to wind down. Time for me to wind down. Time for me to wind up. So I don't know what the NHL is doing here, but I don't like it one bit. Okay,
4: Gary, it's on you now. So uh, you can shoot us a text. Send us a mic drop, Gary. We know you've got a smartphone.
1: And think about this when the Blues win game six tonight and people want to celebrate their team, closing out this, the first series and a series and advancing to the next round. Well, we even have bars in St. Louis open at that time. That's everything a great everything closes at like midnight, one o'clock here. So if you're an establishment Maybe stay open a little late tonight because of this 850 puck drop. It's crazy.
2: I get it. I understand why you're sick of it.
1: I am sick of it.
2: All right, your text 65780 Matthew. This isn't a sick of it, but it's off Michelle's, and I want to get this out. This hero parent out here. 636. We have tickets to tonight's game and have seven and ten year old kids. It is brutal. We're going to have them go to school late tomorrow. It's stupid. I just want to highlight them for you know what? Good for getting your kids the experience of a playoff game and saying, listen, an hour and a half of school isn't gonna kill them this late in the year. Let's let them get some extra sleep. I love this.
1: And if you're a teacher, you allow it. Yeah.
4: so Game six. That was one of the most foolish debates we ever had at home (laughs) was, and there was no doubt in my mind, the opener of the 2000 season, Monday night, after the Rams had won the Super Bowl. They were only going to raise the banner clearly now. They were only going to raise their first Super Bowl banner one time. And I said to John Patrick's common. I mean, come on. uh, This is silly. We aren't debating this. And she's, well, he's got school the next day. I said, I don't care about school. <laughs> he's got 200 days of school a year. He's got one first time for raising the Super Bowl banner.
1: Ever. One time ever. in history. Ever. Yeah.
4: So he's going to the game. So he went to the game. And then he was fine. He he rebounded well the next day at school, I would assume. But come on. it's uh, w- When it's a sports event, put it in this perspective. The kid goes to school for 200 days a year. That doesn't matter. One day is not one morning where he's tired or she, is not going to matter. So don't worry about the 7- and 10-year-olds tonight. Let them enjoy the game, because that's most important tonight.
1: We should all get one pass where we can give it to our teacher or our Mm -hmm. employer that says, I'm not coming in tomorrow because sports. Whether it's because you stayed up late because of an 8.50 puck drop for Game 6, or it's a day game, and Mm -hmm. you want to enjoy the weather, or there's a certain matchup you want to see, you should just have, I don't know what color it will be, maybe yellow? No, not a yellow card maybe green, green. like green, yeah, green light. means can, go green means go you get a green card and you just slide it to who's ever in charge and who would levy the consequences mm-hmm. against you and you just say because sports you get one pass a year simple
4: I like that god we're so smart on the show unless we're in the world series that year and then maybe you get a couple more green cards out there
1: but if you're in the world Push series it, I think people will allow it yeah a boss a teacher I think they're mm-hmm. gonna say okay it's fine
2: I'm sick of home plate umpires being so inconsistent hmm
4: I am um, check I'm out the ump cards on uh,
2: the ump report cards on Twitter. It's a fun, fascinating read if you ever want to. I that try to stay so.
1: away from Twitter. That's,
2: that's a fair. That's idea. a fair point. I think they have a website you can yeah. check out. All the uh, report cards. Thank out. you. <laughs> I was gonna
1: say. Party, pal. Can I get a .com yeah. or something? Well, I guess Twitter .com. But yeah. more and more, Randy I, and Matt, I go to Twitter and I'm just like, these people are miserable. Ah, Everybody's see, just complaining. It's just, just a, kinda a big time complaint. It's like the complaint line.
4: Yeah, it is. It's kind of a
2: negative spot.
1: I would say so. Somewhat.
2: Speak of it in our segment that's called Sick of It. <laughs> I,
4: know,
1: I was uh, going to say, we're talking about a negative... Tw- I'm like, all they do is complain as we're doing a segment literally called Sick of It where we complain. Sunshine, lollipops, <laughs> and rainbows. everything... Speaking Please
2: of the sunshine, this person is sick of humidity already. It's yeah. May. At least we have
1: self-awareness. <laughs> um, no, I'm sick of that too. Yesterday I thought, okay, so... The females listening, and I know there's a lot of them because I hear from them, they will understand this dilemma. Oh, you and your hair. Yes, Randy. I got my hair done yesterday. I'm it's going not only to the a girl game. problem. But you guys can shower quickly. So I got my hair done yesterday. I'm going to the game tonight. I'm thinking, oh, I won't have to shower and redo my hair for Thursday night's game. Sit in the press box, made it look nice, right? I wanted to go on a walk yesterday. Mm hmm. Those things cannot exist at the same time. (laughs) You cannot go on a walk when it's this hot and humid and not sweat so much that you need to shower. And you're probably thinking, just shower, what's the big deal? You don't understand. When you have this amount of hair, it takes an hour to blow dry your hair. An hour of your time. I don't have time for that. Maybe tonight I do since I don't have puck drop till 8.50. But it's just the entire principle. You want to avoid it at all costs. And they style it for you at the salon. (sighs) Sick of it all, Randy. Sick so of it all.
4: Michelle, not to kind of rub it in your face or anything, but when I go get a haircut, it takes 20 minutes. When I get <laughs> up in the morning and shower, I rub my fingers through my
2: hair and I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm jealous you of that, Randy. Boy. That's just not Michelle. Are you kidding me?
1: My that last, is nuts. My last haircut took
2: 90 minutes. 90? I don't get haircuts very often. You
1: 90? It
2: took it took it takes a long time to cut my hair. It's thick.
1: So. It's not that thick. Ninety. Oh. I think it takes me 90 to to color cut shampoo blow dry and style what are for you, they doing Michelle. with for it's you? a whole
2: it's a whole they have to get a second pair of clippers most yep. of the time
1: it, Whoa!
4: at hair saloon for men they literally have 20 minute increments so you can get like uh, nine to 9.20 20s open 9.20 to 9.40 40s open 940 to 10 is open that's 20 minutes can boom I can boom, pl-
2: boom you out I completely ruined the the schedule when I go to these places bet, yeah
4: so yeah you have thick luscious hair so I'm, I'm lucky yeah you really are but uh yeah, like I said, Michelle, I get up in the morning, shower, towel, boom, I'm
2: done.
1: Rub it in. Jeez. <laughs>
2: Thanks, Matthew. Thanks, Randy.
4: Coming up next, get your air, uh, your mic drop in, your rhino <laughs> shield mic drop. It's gonna be Thursday, Mad Libs, the Blues win game six if blank. Also, you can send us a text, six five, seven, eight, oh. It's Mad Lib Day, the Blues win game six if blank. Next on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the character and Smallman
4: podcast presented
0: by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
4: We want your mic drops. We want your text 65780 oh. and today's Thursday Mad Lib. And we'll do this throughout the show is the Blues win game six if blank. Michelle, mine's pretty simple. If Robert Thomas gets on the score sheet, the Blues will win the game. Mm. Very simple. Go on. Yeah, he just he, he hasn't had the run in the playoffs like he had down the stretch in the regular season. And he can make players around him dominant. You had the Russians together, and then you put him back with the Russians. And whether it's with Kairou or whether it's with Butchnevich and Tarasenko, Kairou and Saad, Butchnevich and Tarasenko, If he makes his wings productive by getting on the score sheet or they make him productive, the Blues will win the game.
1: I love that one, Randy. Thank you. And I could totally see that happening tonight. I can too. I think the Blues win if they can contain and or shut down Kirill Kaprizov. He's really the only guy right now in the Minnesota Wild that I'm concerned about, and with good reason. We know how special he is. Mm -hmm. But how many people in St. Louis, after he scored that second goal in Game 5, went, oh, man, man. We're going to let that guy beat us. I know that I did too. And he seems to be the only guy that really can beat the St. Louis Blues right now. He's so skilled. He's that, that second goal in game five, no one's stopping that. No matter how much Jordan Bennington is standing on his head, no one's going to stop that shot, but he's playing like a man with, an agenda. He's playing with a sense of urgency. And if the Blues can contain him, I think that they can handle business in every other aspect of their game. I'm just worried about him being the guy that beats them.
4: What do you classify as contain?
1: That's a good question.
4: Like, is it a goal and an assist? I was going to say, I,
1: I think he could still get on the board and you can contain him. So I'm thinking a goal. All right. And, you know, I, I think that it would be containing for me I think that he could start out hot. If you can contain him as the game goes on, mm-hmm. which is what they did in Game 5, I would be pleased with that. And I would think that they would win Game 6.
4: And it was Jamal Mayer's yesterday that said, hey, if you have the puck 200 feet away, you can contain him. That's yeah. the, the key is get the four check maintain puck possession in the offensive zone, and keep him 200 feet away from the other goal.
1: And because when we spoke to him about uh, Kaprizov yesterday, too, he talked about you can try to be physical with him. He's going to find a way to get his shots off. So when I say contain, it's really a blanket word because you are not going to contain him completely. But if you can limit... You can only
4: hope to contain him. You can
1: only hope to contain him. If you can limit his his chances, I like the Blues in Game 6.
4: All right, text 65780 and your mic drops with the mic drop feature with the 101 ESPN app. What do we have, Michelle? on the text line
1: the 314 the blues win game six at jordan kairu pulls a winter pulls a winter classic on the wild
4: i want to see him get to where he was in game what was it game game one when he scored the couple or no game three when he scored the two goals he has three goals and an assist in this series and yeah if Cairo if does the winter classic thing or the game three thing yes then the blues will win
1: from the 660. Do we know where that is? 660? I don't find out. Okay. The Blues win game 6 if they score early and often and they establish a physical presence early in the game.
4: I think scoring early is so important. But then what happens like the other night yeah. when Kaprizov gives Kaprizov gives them a, a two-nothing lead. So I like to score first. And I actually thought about that, but it just doesn't seem like it's as important so far in this playoff series as it has been. By the way, six six zero is in the northern and western part of Missouri. Oh, so so northwest Mo. There you go.
1: Thank you for listening. Yeah, I'm not even concerned at the Wild score first because how many times this season have the Blues operated with the deficit and they come alive in the second and or third yeah. periods? It's just, it's something that we talked about at length throughout the season and something that they always seem to find an answer to. So I'm not even concerned for the wild score first, but I do agree with establishing a physical presence. I know you know that they're going to throw everything that they've got at you tonight with elimination on the table from the six, three, six, the blues win. If they don't take stupid penalties and they get pucks in deep,
4: only two penalties the other night. And that's when Kaprizov scored. So that's huge. And then. Getting pucks in deep is such a key for this team, and it's not as much of what they were in 2019, but yes, to play defense, the best defense is going to be getting the puck deep against the opposition. Uh, we're going to get to a mic drop here. Is Bobby? Bobby first up here on 101 ESPN? Yes, he is. Bobby with a mic drop on the character and Smallman.
2: Randy, the Blues win game six tonight if they get four goals on the board. I think they're going to start the scoring off with Jordan Kyrou. Or maybe Vladdy's going to continue his hot streak. But either way, we get four goals tonight. Bennington keeps them to less than that. And the Blues are on to the next round against the Avalanche. Let's go, Blues! Let's go
4: Blues. It's been an interesting series. Blues win game one four nothing. Minnesota six to two in game two. Blues five or wild five one in game three, and then the Blues five two. And then in game five, it was five two. So so far in this series, the first team to get to three has been the team that won.
1: So there you go, St. Louis Blues. Yeah, There's get, your path to victory.
4: Get four, and Bobby is right on it.
1: Done. Uh, from the six one eight, the Blues will win if they can take advantage of Marc Andre Fleury's inability to contain rebounds and crashing the net.
4: Yeah, that's huge. And you gotta get close. You gotta, gotta get your feet in the blue paint, eh? And if you do that, you have an opportunity. I wonder if it's a lock that Fleury starts tonight.
1: Ah uh, I thought about this a lot yesterday. If you go with Talbot now, doesn't that seem like you're signaling to your team? Okay, this is mm-hmm. this is desperation time. Yeah. I mean, I know it is. It's elimination. But with his record versus the Blues, I don't know if that's the card that I would play if I was them. But, uh, I, they're in a tough spot. I don't know wh- who I would... Go. I would stay with Marc-Andre Fleury, even though you might want to try Cam Talbot out and see if he can somehow have some sort of ignition. For, I don't know, mm-hmm. Randy. I just... I think either way that the Blues aren't scared of either of those guys. No.
4: I remember in 2016, because it was the day that we got our dog Moose, that the Blues benched Brian Elliott in favor mm-hmm. of Jake Allen. And I believe it was for game six of the playoffs. They wound up losing that game and getting knocked out. And so my very first photo of Moose the puppy is sitting on a bench in our backyard. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Because he, he had been benched. But I thought that was a desperation move on the part of Ken Hitchcock. I mean, Elliot had played so well for you. And when you go trade for Marc-Andre Fleury at the trade deadline, you're trading for him to play every playoff game.
1: It, and I would think if you were going to make that move, you would have done it in Game 5.
4: Yeah, right. Good point. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. This is 101 ESPN. We're going to continue to play this game throughout the course of the show. So if you have a mic drop, the Blues win Game 6 if blank Coming up next though it's Take it or Leave it on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carricker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing.
4: Time for Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. Michelle, Randy, and Matthew with... You and we want your text 65780 for take it or leave it. So there's beef going on. Michelle, there's actually people apparently that watch the Skip Bayless show, mm. and I'm reading about this right now that. Skip Bayless called Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz. Soft, Rudy Gobert responded, Would you speak to me that way if you were standing in front of me? I'm cool with the constant disrespect and opinions about who I am as a player, and I choose to let these things slide, but it seems like people are getting way too comfortable. Take it or leave it, you'd love to see the Bayless-Rudy Gobert physical battle.
1: I don't even know if it would be a physical battle. That's... Much as it would be a straight beat down. Which
4: is why I would take it. I want to see it. Yeah,
1: okay. Um, I do agree with that, though. Whether it's what we do in the media or all these keyboard warriors, how many things, I think that you and I try to be very respectful, even when mm-hmm. we have to be critical of people. And I always say that I, if I'm criticizing a player, it's nothing that that person hasn't already said or that they don't already know. Right. Right, And we hold them to a certain standard because we respect their their talents and we know that they demand more of themselves. You know, I think Paul DeYoung is a great example. Right. We all want Paul DeYoung to succeed. Paul DeYoung is aware that he's Mm -hmm. struggling. If we're bringing attention to it, it's our jobs. But you do so in a respectful manner. But whether it's on Twitter or some of the things that are said on podcasts or on TV shows, Rudy Gobert is right. You would not have that same energy if you saw him face to face Mm -hmm. at an arena or on the street.
4: Right, yeah, you would not, if Skip Bayless...
1: You would not call him soft people, to his no, face. No, you,
4: you don't go up to a seven-foot guy and say, hey, buddy, I know you play basketball for the Jazz, and you're soft. No, you wouldn't. And so that's why I would like to see Skip Bayless try it.
1: Did you see the video of the fan that pushed Dwayne, or, uh, Chris Paul's family? I don't know why I almost said Dwayne because uh, no, I, I, I saw it.
4: Saw that they got thrown out, but I didn't see it.
1: So the video of the actual push or the um, unwanted hug, I think as the press Mm -hmm. release called. It wasn't released. But the person, the kid or whatever you want to call it, the young person getting escorted Mm -hmm. out was, it went viral. It was captured. And Chris Paul's looking at him and saying, I'm going to see you later. I'm going to see you later. And let me tell you, that person looked scared out of their minds when Chris Mm -hmm. Paul locked eyes with them and actually confronted them. You have all sorts of energy when you don't actually have to have a player face to face. But then when they call you out and say, this is not over, I'm coming for you. All of a sudden, you look real nervous.
4: No doubt about it.
1: Anyway, Randy, uh, we have TVs all over the mm-hmm. studio here. They're usually locked into whatever game is on. We like to have MLB Network on so we can watch Greg Amsinger when he's on. ESPN is always on the TV. And they just had Rob Ninkovich on Sports Center with our buddy. Well, my buddy. You would love him, too. Randy Scott. And uh, take it or leave it rob ninkovich kind of looks like our own randy or excuse me anthony stalter
4: i'm gonna take that and until you brought it to my attention i never connected the two yeah but absolutely yeah uh ninko looks like anthony
1: or anthony looks like ninko either way they look like they could be second cousins
4: no doubt about it and
1: i didn't i never yeah. realized that before I, but i, I, I looked at him. i was like that looks like anthony stalter did you
4: know that anthony worked in Bristol before Back. I did know that. Yes. Yeah. So uh,
1: football show on the weekends. Uh, yeah, did, I w- killed it. Did a great job. I
4: wonder if they ever crossed paths and were like twins.
1: I wonder if Ninko was still playing at that time. He might have been. I think he was. But either way, we need. I've never seen them in the same room. I'll just say that. There you
4: go. I'll just right. say
1: that. But I never realized that. And we should put it together side to side and tweet it out. Because mm-hmm. I think those Let's two look it. alike.
4: Yeah.
2: Wow. ESPN has three a show with three former professional athletes. That's really impressive. Wow. That's I mean, I, I thought two Who was pretty good, that? but apparently there's three. That's how about us? Hmm. Impressive.
4: <laughs> All right, what do we have on the text slide?
2: Take it or leave it. I think this is an easy one. You miss hearing Gloria.
1: Oh, take it without a doubt. Yeah. I, I, I was thinking about that the other day. There's just something about the payoff that you get when you hear the song at the end.
4: Okay, well, let's hear it then. Do we have
1: it I don't know I don't know Randy people are saying don't want to
4: go want to go mm,
1: there? I'm so superstitious you know how I feel about this that was 19 do we play it I don't know
2: okay well then listen we'll cr- credit credit to the to the afternoon show for coming up with the Beach Boys I think it
1: was a good I think I think it was that's a good a idea
2: and I
4: think, it mm-hmm. and I think it's working saying? so like, far
1: Gloria well I guess it only has positive juju right Gloria
4: yeah it does you think you'd hope
1: I just wouldn't Randy Want the blues to lose tonight, even though I don't think they will, and then have people say, "Well, it's because you played Gloria." But I guess you smooched the cup, so you're right. not worried about yeah. this at all.
4: No, I, I could play Gloria with no problem at all, and know <laughs> they're going to win.
1: You could, you could sing Gloria. You should. Anyway, yeah. we'll play it. We'll play it.
2: Jinxes are nothing to Randy. See character. how
1: nervous I got? I'm so superstitious.
2: Yeah, let's uh, let's
4: just invite Laura Brannigan to come and sing it. <laughs> oh,
1: Randy, she's, Randy, she's no longer with us.
4: Michelle, she's on Twitter. <laughs> She's, of course, with us. I, should have I think at that. someone that may be running that
1: account. I don't think she's tweeting from the afterlife.
2: Didn't we invite her to play, sing the anthem or something?
4: <laughs>
2: Sadly. <sighs> take it or leave it. Yep, Paz will win Rookie of the Year. Oh, take it. Yeah, yeah, that's a done deal
4: already. Without
1: a doubt. It's a done deal already. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised that's even a question. Yeah. He's already got the hardware.
4: Brendan Donovan second.
2: <laughs> 618, take it or leave it. A blues player gets a hatty tonight.
1: Take it.
4: Uh, I am. I'm going to leave it, but I'd love to see it. We've already
1: seen a couple.
4: I know, but I just I'm not buying the, for tonight for Game Six. I think it'll, it might be a more low scoring affair. I think the Blues might be the first team to get to three, and I think the Blues will win by scoring three. But I don't think one player is going to score all three.
1: If a Blues player was to get a Hattie tonight, who's your horse? Who are you putting your money on?
4: Brandon M- Saad.
1: Mine's on Ryan O'Reilly.
4: That's a great call too. And you can never go wrong with Perron, even though he's done it already in the series.
1: That's the only reason that I didn't pick him, is because he's already done it.
2: I have no more hats to chuck up my radio. Uh, Take it or leave it. It is baffling that Yachty has more career hits than Joey Votto. Is it? It kind of is, yeah.
1: Kind of? Yeah. That's a good one. Is that? What what are the numbers there?
2: Let me see the difference here.
4: Uh, That is, let's see, pretty remarkable.
2: So Yachty or Molina right now is sitting at twenty one twenty seven. Okay, twenty one twenty seven, and Joey Votto is sitting at twenty thirty six.
1: That is surprising.
2: Yeah, it is. Who wow. would have thought? That yeah, that's extremely impressive. Good for Yadi
1: Should we tell the Hall of Fame voters that this guy had more <laughs> hits than Joey Votto? Yeah. You're gonna talk about his offense.
2: And spe- I would hope that the
4: Hall of Fame voters are smart enough to recognize something like that.
1: You never know, Randy.
4: No. There will be people that don't vote for Yadi,
1: which is outrageous. Yeah. it is just mind blowing. I to think me. Jeff
4: Passan is an anti-Yadiite. Really? Yep. No. I think he is. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's not going to be good. Um, Jeff Passan? Pretty sure. Yeah.
1: Six five seven eight zero. We got to get, get research on that because I can't can't see Jeff Passan not thinking Yachty or Molina is a Hall of Famer. And if he does, he might have
2: even said that on this
4: station.
1: What?
2: Who is it that said? Who is it that said Roland wasn't a Hall of Famer and got and caught the ire of the entire fan base? I can't remember which writer that was. Now we
4: do have a fan base that tends to use their social media and uh, and emailing skills
2: as a cudgel, is what you're trying to say? Yeah, because <laughs> yes, you're you're accurate. Okay, Take so your- Jeff
4: Passon on Twitter, and this is as of. Uh, July 13th of 2018 let me make this clear I believe Yadier Molina will get into the Hall of Fame because I believe enough writers buy into the narrative of his worthiness and are going to be louder than those on the other side and I can oblige that he's put together a truly wonderful career
1: so are we sure that this is the verified Jeff is, yeah. and not the fake one that hacked him yeah. on trade deadline this day is, or this. on on whatever day it was yeah. um, lockout day this is actual Jeff Pass. This is
4: actual Jeff Passan. Yep.
1: The narrative. He dropped the word narrative. Mm-hmm. Oh,
2: he did. Yep. That's a, that's a, that's a Honestly, word you see a lot in the Yadi debate. A lot. For, it's it's we don't have kind time of uncanny. No, we don't. But uh,
1: what's the argument against him? What is the argument against him?
2: That's a great question. I don't know. That he was only an above average
6: hitter for.
1: <laughs> Like six, I don't
4: know. <laughs> six years. I mean, like, what, try to try to just circle Yadier Molina's career. Just walk around Yadier Molina's career. Offensively, defensively, winning uh, the the accolades. The
1: ask anyone if, who's ever played with him, managed him.
4: Ask Joe been, West, Johnny yes, Bench. Johnny Bench said Yadi was better. Ted Simmons said Yadi not only was the best catcher of all time, but could manage, be your hitting coach yes. and your pitching coach. Ted Simmons is in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I, I don't get how a writer can can take a, a walk around Yadier Molina's body of work and say no.
1: And how there's no concrete stat, no tangible evidence for all the ways that he has contributed to the Cardinals' success. All of the, the pitchers that he's made better, th- things, things like that that just don't have a metric. But would the Cardinals, here's the question, would the Cardinals have the success that they've had over the past few decades without Yadier Molina behind the dish? Would they have, no, have had the no. same amount of success? How many pitchers' careers were impacted in a positive way because of Yadier Merlina? Taking away all the defensive metrics that you know he excels in, taking away the championships, taking away the the, the gold gloves, the hardware, j- just the the actual way that he has contributed to this team's success. Okay. You, you mean to tell me that's not a Hall of Famer?
4: That's what Jeff Pass means to tell you. If I had a vote, I would vote yes.
2: Across a nine-season stretch in the middle of his his career, he won eight out of nine gold gloves at the catcher position. Had an o- OPS plus of over uh, of one hundred eight, and batted just under three hundred with two ninety six. So this is a guy who's I mean, listen those are those are well above average hitting numbers for a guy who, again, in that stretch was winning eight of nine gold gloves while playing almost every game at the catcher position. That's 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 a, that's the stretch that solidified him as a Hall of Famer.
1: The three one four says that. Cardinals Twitter is logging in now to go after Jeff Passan in a four-year-old tweet. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he's it's gonna a, it's open little... his mentions and be like, yeah. "What happened? <laughs> Sorry, Jeff." But yeah,
4: we we did say it. We, we come on, we don't need to get after him. He's like Jeff we Passan like Jeff. said; he thinks he's going to the Hall of Fame.
1: And I love Jeff Passan, and he's an incredibly smart baseball man. Mm-hmm. I just want to know what's your argument against him. That's all. Simply, yeah. What what are you looking at that I'm not seeing? It might
4: be the. Uh, our, our buddy Mark Saxon when he didn't vote for Roland. Because. <laughs>
2: right?
1: Just because? Just
4: because.
2: Yeah, That's who it was. I couldn't remember who it was. Thank you.
4: Yeah. Uh, that's Michelle. I'm Randy. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, more of your Mad Libs. The Blues win game six if coming your way on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN a fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories it's character and smallman's fresh tea
1: brought to you by schnooks rewards
6: it pays to shop at schnooks download the schnooks rewards app today 808 in St.
4: Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. The Blues can eliminate Minnesota tonight with a game six victory at Enterprise Center, pregame at 730, and the face-off, Michelle, at 851, we're thinking?
1: 851, please. Yeah, right. Mm, 907 is my official call.
4: No, no, we'll get it before nine. It'll be 851. We'll be fine. Well, maybe not. (laughs)
1: Okay, so how many of these 8.30 puck drops have been at 8.30?
4: None, zero.
1: So what makes you think 8.50 is going to be one minute later?
4: Because the NHL is all over it. They're Mm. detail-oriented.
1: They're all over it. They're all over an 8.50 puck drop in the central time zone. Michelle,
4: think about this. So maybe they get start time messed up but at least they notice every penalty that occurs on the <laughs> ice and call them all.
1: Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> By the way is there a prop bet for what time the the puck actually drops on FanDuel Sportsbook because I'm all in on that.
4: They should actually have that, no doubt about 907's
1: it. 907's my official call.
4: Let's get to some mic drops Jason is first up here on 101 ESPN.
3: Blues win game six if Kirill Kaprizov the only player to score for Minnesota nobody else is going to hurt us we can live with him hurting us
4: Got to be wary of that, though. And the Blues are. They know that other team, other players are capable of hurting them. The thing about Kaprizov is that you can try really hard to contain him and still not contain him.
1: That's true. And even if he's the only person to score, he could be the one to beat you single-handedly. Yeah.
4: <laughs> right, no doubt about it. Uh, we'll also hear from Marcus here with Carriker and Smallman. The Blues win
0: if they just show up. Oh, and Vladdy has another Hattie. Let's go Blues and sick.
4: A Vladdy Hattie in game six. Wouldn't that be something if you got another one?
1: A Big Daddy Vladdy Natty Hattie.
4: Whoa. Big Vladdy Daddy Natty Hattie.
2: I'm sorry, did Michelle
4: just say that? Because that sounds like a Randy phrase. Natty Hattie.
1: Hattie. It's Big Daddy Vladdy Natty Hattie.
2: Okay, I like this a lot.
1: We need one of these. That's what it was. The Big Daddy Vladdy Natty Hattie.
4: You're right, it was. Yeah. Okay. We weren't we of on these. that we, before? We need another one of these. That's awesome.
1: I I tweeted Big Daddy Hattie. but yeah, you it Should have been Big, Big Daddy Flatty Natty Hattie.
4: Yeah, that's pretty awesome. <laughs>
1: Print the shirts
4: You're... <laughs> <laughs> now. Now. Uh, what Archie do we got? On the... Are you listening? Print yeah. the shirts. <laughs> what do we got on the text line?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, um, from the three one four. The Blues win tonight if they score the first two goals.
4: Okay. The most dangerous lead in hockey, but uh, yeah, if they score, the, well, Minnesota did that the other night at home, but the Blues are better than Minnesota. So yeah, I'll, I'll go with that because if they score the first two, they're going to get the third too. That's right. Yeah.
1: And you know that they'll continue to get better as the game goes on. They so. always do. They always do. From the 6 the Blues will win if Binner records a shutout.
4: Yes, they will. That yes, is they will. that is a definitive take, no yes, doubt about it. it. Is.
1: From the eight one six, the Blues win Game Six if Rosen and Perunovic continue to play well.
4: Kelly, I, I think Kelly needs a uh, he needs a clap. Kelly Rosen, he's been impressive. And by the way, Scott Perunovic, we saw this when he played before he got hurt. He's just noticeable, isn't he, when he's out on the ice? Mm -hmm. And granted, he's playing on the power play, so he should be more noticeable, but he's a skilled guy, and I think he has a chance to be a really good player. Let's get another mic drop one more here in this segment from Colin, who's on 101 ESPN.
2: The Blues win Game 6 if we score more goals than the other team. Mm. No, just kidding. The Blues win Game 6 if we come out with that same intensity, that we did in game five. We keep the foot on the gas, even if we fall behind early, even if we score a couple early, we keep going until that final horn sounds. They're gonna throw everything we've got. It may go to overtime. We're gonna be up till midnight, but we're gonna come away with it tonight. The Blues are winning in six, let's go Blues.
4: Let's go Blues, thanks Colin. Now, I wanna toss something in here because he, he mentioned the intensity. Yes. Wouldn't it be fun to crush the hearts and the hopes and the dreams of Wild fans by having Braden Shen step up with a couple of goals.
1: Yes, we talked about that in the open. Yeah. I would love for it to be Braden Shen to be the one to take the knife, jam it into their eye and into their brain and kill him with a game-winning goal.
4: He's absolutely capable of it, and he's already obviously frustrating them to a high, not just their fans, but their players too, to a pretty high degree. So I think that'd be fun if we could pull that
1: off i love how brayden shen will knock a guy out of his skates and then as he's skating away he's smiling and laughing yeah that's he's demented in the best way i, lo- I love watching him play
6: that's pretty fun you need to take the knife and jam it through their eye into their brain and kill him that's what i'm
1: saying come on
6: go
4: get him blues uh that is michelle matthew randy great to have you with us character and smallman on 101 espn we're going to break down how the blues win tonight with john kelly the tv voice of the blues next on 101 espn
0: We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We are talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Blues booth. Boardwalk Hardwood Floors has great floors for every home with locations in West County, South County, St. Charles County and our new location in Mid-County and online at boardwalkhardwood.com.
4: The Blues in the Wild, game six tonight at Enterprise Center. John Kelly and Darren Pang will have the call on Bally Sports. And as he does every Thursday morning, John Kelly joins us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. That's Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carricker. Good morning, JK. How you doing? I'm good, Randy. How are you guys today? Good. Looking forward to tonight. It's always exciting when you have a possibility of eliminating an opponent. And, John, one of the things we've been asking people this morning is uh, a, a kind of a mad lib. The Blues win game six if blank. I want to get your take. The Blues win game six if?
7: Um, how about the obvious? If they can shut down Kaprizov tonight. I think if they can do that, I think that it would make the... Uh, Path to victory a lot easier, Randy.
4: How's that? That's great, and that's exactly what Michelle Smallman said.
1: Yeah, that's what I said, John. And I don't know if they can shut him down, but they can certainly try to contain him. But right now, I don't know if you agree. He feels like the only player from the Minnesota Wild that could truly beat the Blues.
7: Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, they they obviously have a lot of great players. They had six guys that had twenty goals, Michelle. And you know, you just never know. Um, You know, Barubi was asked the other day about some of the Blues players that have not really put up big numbers in the series. And he said sometimes in a series you just have to stay with it. And that's that's the honest truth. So, I mean, who knows? I mean, a player like Kevin Fiala, to me, is a guy that you have to be concerned about because he's a 30-goal scorer. He hasn't scored in the series. And there's a lot of pressure on a guy like Fiala. Also Hartman, who has, a I think, five assists in the series but hasn't scored a goal. So, you know, they have a lot of scoring. Um, yet they haven't had a lot of diverse production from their lineup. So um, you just never know when a guy could break out. But obviously they are still a very dangerous team.
4: And, John, it made such a difference the other night to have the steadiness of Letty back in the lineup and to have Robert Bortuzzo at least available for the PK. Not many penalties called in the game, but to have those guys back, those veterans, as well as the kids played when they were out, is pretty big.
7: Well, Randy, I think you know and we all know that any team in the Stanley Cup playoffs, you know, you're playing top clubs and top players, and you can maybe get through a game or two with a guy out or maybe two defensemen on the sidelines, but, you know, the Blues had three guys hurt, and then Scandella gets hurt in the game, and Santini only played about four minutes. Um, And quite honestly, down the stretch, they really played with four defensemen. I mean, Prunovich played a little bit, um, but they really settled in with the four defensemen. And, I, you know, I really felt that you got to give the Blues players um, high marks for, for trying to just dig down as deep as they could, and they hung on for victory. And, and that's, to me, that looking back at the Blues win this series, and, and I think they will, but who knows, right? I think you look back to that third period of Game 4 when the Blues were hanging on with, with you know, a depleted defense, And you say that was the difference. That was the chance to me the Wild had to knock the Blues out and take a commanding lead. But they they let the Blues get the victory. And, and of course, they won game five. So to me, that in hindsight, it could be the pivotal period of this series.
1: John, a lot of intrigue over who the Minnesota Wild will put in net tonight. Do you think that uh, going with Cam Talbot might be a smart move for them to provide a spark for the team? Or do you think it would be best for them to stick with Marc-Andre Fleury?
7: You know, Michelle, I think that it's too late to make a change. Now, I'm not saying they won't. Obviously, I have no idea, and they could because because Talbot was so good down the stretch. But you have to keep in mind, as you know, he hasn't played in a couple of weeks. So to, to make a goaltending change for a game six is is really late. So uh, I thought they should have done it perhaps if they were going to do it in, in the last game. Um, but they didn't do that, so... Uh, my hunch is that they'll stick with Flurry, but we'll find out uh, later this morning at the morning skates.
4: John, I would imagine that at some point in these playoffs, whether it's tonight or if there is a Game 7 or if the Blues advance, I would imagine that Ivan Barbashev is going to have an impact. He really hasn't. What have you seen or not seen from Barbashev that we saw during the regular season?
7: Well, you know, when, when Barbershem is playing well, Randy, he, he is hitting and he is making plays, and he is impacting the game in all three zones. And not that he's been bad. I thought he made, obviously, a good play on, on, the, on the fourth goal the other night when he dropped the puck off to Tarasenko. So, you know, his, his line is, was a little bit quiet, and, you know, Buchnevich has been a bit quiet, although he made the great play on the winning goal the other night. Um, so I thought those guys came on in the last game. And again, it's not like they've been bad. Um but you know the truth is, Randy, in a playoff series, you're you're playing against really good teams, obviously, and good players. And certain guys are gonna get shut down, right? That's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. So, um, I just think right now, you know those players or some players are are having a hard time finding space and and producing offensively. Um, but again, they're still doing things in their own zone and in other areas of the game. But uh, yeah, you're right, it would be great to have uh, Barbashev come in tonight and get a couple of goals, big hits, and you know, we'll see what happens. But he, he's he been fine. He, he's he's played fine.
1: John, uh, Jordan Bennington has 18 playoff wins after the win on Tuesday. He's the Blues' all-time winningest playoff goalie, and he just seems to be completely locked in. It's reminding me a little bit of, of 2019. Are you seeing that confidence as well from Jordan Bennington?
7: Yeah, exactly. He, he has... You know, great rebound control, I think the biggest thing to me, and I've talked about it a lot on the show with with you guys is when he's playing well, he's aggressive right he's he's at the top of his goal crease he's challenging um control of the rebounds and things like that so that's what I've seen so far in in the first couple of games that he's played, and hopefully that continues but yeah, he was good down the stretch, he won five of his last six starts and and played really well so Yeah, hopefully that he can continue that and continue to be aggressive and and make the big saves because, obviously – you got to have good goaltending, especially in the Stanley Cup playoffs.
4: John, it's been interesting in the first five games, and you mentioned the balanced scoring. We all know about the Blues' balanced scoring during the regular season, and Minnesota had a lot of scoring. But here we are, like you say, playoff time is different. The first team to get to three in every single game has been the team that wound up on top. And I would anticipate that that would be the same thing tonight. With If Fleury is back between the pipes, I would expect that for Minnesota and Bennington. I would think if you get to three goals, whatever team you are, you gotta feel pretty good about where you are.
7: Yeah, and and that's really the true the you know, the same in the regular season, Randy. Um the other trend so far in the series is the team that scored first has won all five games so far. Um in the last game, it's the first time that a team has come from behind to win a, a game in the series because the Blues of course trailed two to one. So it's been a strange series, Randy, because to me on paper, and and obviously the standings you know really bear this out is these are very even teams. Yet every game in the series has been decided by three goals or more. So it's really strange, although, you know, down the stretch it was tight, and the Blues, of course, an empty net goal the other night when Tarasenko got his third. But it's been a strange series in that, you know, the team that scores first has won every game, and the, the final score has been three goals or more. So really unique when you consider both teams really on paper are very close.
4: And, John, one other thing, you watch all the series, and obviously Colorado with the sweep of Nashville has been most impressive so far. Has any other series or any other team caught your eye?
7: Well, you know, the team that, you know, obviously Colorado, you know, they did what I think everybody thought they would do, Randy, uh, Daryl Sutter included, the coach of Calgary said, it would be a waste of eight days to play that team, and it really was. You know, I think Florida not playing the way they played in the regular season is a bit of a surprise to me. I thought that they would have a relatively easy time with Washington, and obviously that's turned into a really tough series. So, you know, they came from behind last night. They were down 3 nothing, and they won the game. So that was obviously huge, and now they're up in the series. But uh, that's a team that I thought would, would have a better start to the playoffs. Um, and didn't so I'd say if I had to pick one club that would be the surprise team although obviously they might win the series now
4: John Kelly, always good to hear your voice and we'll be tuned in tonight, Bally Sports you and Darren have the call as the Blues hopefully can clinch against Minnesota enjoy that broadcast and we will enjoy as you deliver it to us Okay, Randy, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you, sir. That is John Kelly. He is the TV voice of the Blues, joining Kara and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Oh, by the way, we have the game for you tonight, 7.30 with the pregame, and actually 6 o'clock pre- pregame here on 101 ESPN. And then we'll have the call for you with Chris Kerber and Joe Vitale, and uh, the call may be at 8.51, it might be at 9.02, it might be at 8.49, you just don't know, so you just have to stay tuned.
1: It will not be at 8.49.
4: They won't get to it early, huh?
1: I wish, but I don't think so. All right. Darn it. I know. Tomorrow is going to be loose.
4: Yeah, it's going to be Friday. That. So, yeah, we, we, we start <laughs> with that, that uh, we've got... It's Friday, Friday. And then we'll... Get To bed at midnight, so we'll get like what four hours, five hours of sleep. But oh. you won't be we
1: f- we're not getting bed three? to bed at midnight. Okay,
4: it's <laughs> not gonna be okay. The show will be great, but it'll not be highly organized.
1: Imagine you, me, and Joey V tomorrow. Oh, what man. is that combo gonna we be? We better like? win. We better win. That's
4: all I gotta say. The fight is coming your way on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, Average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive. Please welcome Red.
1: time to fight on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Megamind Randy Carriker is securely hanging out in the cone of silence and we're welcoming in his challenger for the fight right now. John is with us on 101 ESPN. How you doing John?
8: All right how are you guys today?
1: We're doing well. The sun is shining. It might be a little hot out there but we're ready for some game six action. What about you?
8: Oh yeah I'm ready for it.
1: You think the blues close it out tonight or what?
8: Uh, I think so. I think it. Probably pretty, I think maybe an overtime game, but I think it's still pulled out.
1: All right. Well, are you ready to take on Randy in the fight? Yes, ma'am. All right. Let's go, John. Question number one. Christian Yelich hit for the cycle for the third time in his career yesterday, joining Freddie Freeman. And who else as the only two other active players with multiple career cycles? Is it Albert Pujols, Juan Soto, or Trey Turner?
8: Uh, Let's go Trey Turner.
2: Happy birthday to Hall of Famer Bernie Federko. What is the only other team that Federko played for in his NHL career besides the Blues? Is that the Detroit Red Wings, the Hartford Whalers, or the Edmonton Oilers? Uh, Detroit.
1: John, what year did Marc-Andre Fleury win the first of his three Stanley Cups with the Pittsburgh Penguins? 08-09, or fifteen, sixteen? 16 Still thirteen, fourteen. 14
2: and today would have been STL native in MLB Hall of Famer Yogi Bearer's 97th birthday. How many times did Yogi win MVP? One, three, or five times?
8: Um, let's go three.
1: Checking our score here. Mm-hmm. Confirmed. Waving in Mr. Carricker. John, you did well. How are you feeling?
6: Um, pretty good.
1: You should feel pretty good. That's all I'll say. Mm-hmm. Randy, get your headset on when you're settled in there. Mm-hmm. Say what's up to John.
4: John, good morning. How you doing? All right. How are you, Randy? I'm doing well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We appreciate it. Thank you.
1: Sir, are you ready? I'm ready. All righty, then. Question number one. Mm-hmm. Christian Yelich hivered the cycle for the third time in his career yesterday, joining Freddie Freeman and who else as the only two other active players with multiple career cycles.
4: Um, Multiple career cycles. I will do the lifeline.
1: Albert Pujols, Juan Soto, Trey Turner.
2: I'll go with Trey Turner. Happy birthday to Hall of Famer Bernie Ferdurko. What is the only other team that Federico played for in his NHL career besides the Blues? played for the Red Wings.
1: That was probably painful for you, no?
4: Yeah, it was bad. Although he did go to play for Jacques Demers, which was okay, I
1: guess. But your Red Wings hatred, probably at peak, right? At that time?
4: Well, the Red Wings at that point weren't great, and we got Adam Oates for him.
1: Okay. Okay. I just know how much you despise. Oh, big time. Yeah. Yeah. That must have been painful. Randy, what year did Marc-Andre Fleury win the first of his three Stanley Cups with the Pittsburgh Penguins?
4: I'm going to go with 08. I think they won in 08 and 09. I'll go with 08.
2: Today would have been STL native and MLB Hall of Famer Yogi Berra's 97th birthday. Hmm. How many times did Yogi
1: win MVP? Three. This was a battle a battle on a thursday final score four three no way yes way yes way randy and i think you just both- win baby I-
0: oh! oh bad form oh! bad form wow
1: <laughs>
0: wow bad
8: form the sir.
1: arrogance <laughs> The arrogance from this man. <laughs> oh, man, just ring it. Jeez. Go so crazy, folks. Go so crazy.
0: The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker.
6: Brought to you by High and Dry Foundation Repair, home of the non-commission-based Salesforce and hassle-free warranty. I
0: am number one. Here's to the winner.
1: john i am yeah, sorry he got
8: me he uh, got me on the hockey question i know that's not my strong suit
1: oh but good job you got three correct excellent effort
8: thank you have
1: a great sorry day, john, john. I,
8: I
4: apologize thanks
1: for listening thanks for playing
4: thank you yeah, it was great to have you with us and thanks for <laughs> thanks for listening
1: i feel like i need to send john like a fruit basket yeah, or something randy you stand, <laughs> randy you stunted on him so hard <laughs> You turned around before
2: the three dropped. That was a Stephen Curry. That was just shots in the air, turning around and walking the other
1: way. That was unreal. <laughs> but I guess when you know, you know. And you are a Megamind for a reason. Wow, Randy. You know, I hope the Blues have that attitude. Mm-hmm. I, hope, I do too. I yeah. hope that they are ready to fire off Al after Davis the first this, period. Yeah, after the first period. All right, Christian Yellow, she hit for the cycle for the third time in his career yesterday. Shout out to him. He joined Freddie Freeman and Trey Turner as the only two other active players with multiple career cycles. Trey Turner has three, by the way. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Happy birthday to Bernie Ferderko. I mm-hmm. think the Blues could give him a nice birthday gift tonight, right?
4: Absolutely.
1: Other than the Blues, the only other team that Bernie played for in his NHL career was, in fact, the Detroit Red Wings.
4: Mm-hmm. They, they hated, the hated, that stupid, the winged wheel. I mean, who puts a wing on a wheel?
1: Who puts a wing on a wheel? Yeah, this doesn't make Just sense. So dumb. What's their explanation for that?
4: I I don't think they admit they're dumb, but that's got to be the explanation. <laughs> well, we know the
1: wheel, the Motor City. Yeah. But what's with the wing?
4: Detroit red wings i don't
2: know in fairness in fairness the the pistons also logo kind of has kind of been stupid they can't like is it a horse for horsepower is it an actual like is a car like what are we doing here
1: but what's the is is it something on a car
4: a wing well there there have been wings on cars before
1: but it just doesn't really make a lot of sense like if i have to ask these questions if it's not blatantly obvious why this is your logo don't you think that it's doing doing a little too much?
4: There are people that are fans of that team, and it doesn't make sense either. It's just weird.
1: Hey, listen, if you've had it for that long, you're just like, oh, it is what it is. There's a
4: reason that we have have had punch a Red Wing fan in the face day here in we St. Louis not, for many years.
1: We do not promote violence. Yeah, that's violence. become
4: politically incorrect though now over in the 13 years.
1: 2022, Randy, we're not punching anybody in the face unless we're on the ice.
4: Or, unless you're wearing a Red Wings jersey.
1: Randy, no. We're <laughs> focused on the wild today, okay? What year did Marc-Andre Fleury win the first of his three Stanley Cups with the Pittsburgh Penguins? That would be 2008-2009. And today would have been St. Louis native and Hall of Famer Yogi Berra's 97th birthday. Bernie Federko and Yogi Berra born today.
4: Awesome. Good, Good day. A
1: day of greatness. Would have been his 97th birthday. He won MVP, not one, not two, but three times. But you already knew all of those answers because Randy got the jack and... He let us all know it multiple times.
2: <laughs> the, That's the fight drop.
4: Hey, coming up, we're really excited about the Enjoy Illinois 300 coming to St. Louis. And we're going to talk about that with uh, the folks from Bomarito and from the racetrack, the Worldwide Technology Raceway. That's coming your way next on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
4: For many years... Sports fans here in St. Louis have hoped for a NASCAR race at what was then Gateway International Raceway and is now Worldwide Technology Raceway. And here it is, June 3rd through 5th. It's coming up, the Enjoy Illinois 300 over at Worldwide Technology Raceway. And joining us here in studio, Chris Blair from the racetrack and Chuck Wallace from uh, Bomberito. Great to have you guys with us. How are you doing? We're
5: doing Do- great. Doing fantastic.
4: And it's it's amazing how much, and we've seen it, guys, obviously with the Bomberito 500 too how much goes into leading up to a race and Chuck I know that you've got Richard Petty and you're involved with Richard Petty I grew up, my, my initiation to NASCAR as a kid was watching the number 43 car so that'll be pretty cool to have him in town
5: yeah it's going to be great, Friday the 3rd we got Richard Petty Day presented by uh, Bombrito Automotive Group and they're going to unveil the Bombrito Automotive Group uh, Chevrolet Petty Blue and uh, bombrito Red Black, it's going to be exciting uh, he's going to do all the festivities out at the track and sign autographs and cut a ribbon and I think he's going to be the first one to put a NASCAR on the track.
3: Yeah, our first official lap of a NASCAR Cup car will be by Richard Petty, driving one of his – it actually has 1981 Daytona 500 winning race car. His oh, it doesn't get, get
4: better than that. Yeah. Great. And, Chris, l- let's start, and we'll give the information again. But yeah. tickets still available. How can people get tickets?
3: You can get tickets at www.raceway.com or via MetroTix. And tickets are going fast. I anticipate that we'll be announcing a Sunday sellout probably sometime in the next five to six days. Wow. So it's Great. It's uh, on fire right now. So the we've got uh, people coming from 49 states, five countries outside of North America, and, and we also have uh, four Canadian provinces represented. So it's going to be a huge event for the whole whole region
1: wow, people need to capitalize on these tickets while they can, while they're still available. Well, St. Louis is known as one of the best sports cities in America. How does bringing an event like this to Worldwide Technology Raceway solidify that, especially in the racing world? You
3: know, that's one of the things, and Richard Petty even made this comment a few weeks ago, that there's they've always looked at St. Louis as being such an important sports town, and there's so many race fans here, but the race fans always had to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And so the drivers and the team owners and everyone that's associated with the sport, they're excited about being here just because of the rich tradition that we have in St. Louis only racing but the other sports as well.
4: And Chuck, you folks at Bomberito have been involved with the IndyCar race ever since its inception and these are just different animals. You can't just say I'm going to an automobile race because the NASCAR Cup Series is a lot different than what you see when we watch the IndyCars.
5: That's totally different. Exciting. It's going to be exciting to have it here but you know they bump and they grind and they rub Mm -hmm. and IndyCar is a little bit different. But it's really going to be exciting to see NASCAR Cup cars on this track. They got a brand new car this year and uh, it's totally different, sounds different, looks different, looks more like a showroom car.
4: And one of the things, and you guys have both been to tracks, and into races, it's not just the visual, which is great, but when you're at a race, the feel, the, the, the feel that you have internally is completely different than anything you'll ever experience.
3: Yeah, that's one of the things we always say. You can't really get the full effect just by watching on television. You have to go and experience it and get everything from the start all the way through because there's so many things that lead up to the race and even things taking place after the race. We just It's one big festival, and the race is just a key part of that.
1: So what can fans and drivers expect from the track?
3: Well, that's one thing about our racetrack; it's totally different than anybody else's. Uh, you know, most racetracks they're kind of a cookie cutter shape, mm-hmm. they all the standard form. Well, when this racetrack was built originally 26 years ago, they had to try to make it fit in the property lines that they had at the time, and they they only had 150 acres. Now we're over 700 acres, but so it created a weird shape. But that actually makes the racing fantastic. So each turn is a little bit different. The straightaways are long. It gives you the a little bit of uh, everything from the super speedways to the short tracks, all coming together in one. place. So it really just generates exciting racing from start to finish.
4: And what about access to the track on race day in terms of parking, in terms of getting there?
3: That's one of the great things, too, since, like I just said, we expanded the footprint of the facility to almost 700 acres. Uh, We've built uh, all new parking lots. Uh, There's now a three-lane road that goes around the outer perimeter. Uh, We've been working with IDOT and the Illinois State Police. We've hired the best uh, traffic and parking companies to work with us. And that was one of the plans. We We were working on the traffic plan well before. Before we even had the race. So uh, fans who want to tell the old stories about the old days, it's totally different. So if you haven't been to our racetrack, you need to come see it just because it's well planned now, and it's much better than what the previous experience was.
4: Chris Blair from the Worldwide Technology Raceway, Chuck Wallace from Bomberito, and fans also need to take advantage of Fan Fest right, at, at Ballpark Village on the 3rd and the 4th, because that's Another aspect to this, you mentioned how the race is just part of it, but the FanFest is something that with the IndyCar race has been really cool, and I have to believe NASCAR does a great job with that, too.
3: One of the great things that NASCAR is working with us on is putting together a parade where all 40 cup haulers on Thursday will drive from the racetrack and make a lap through town, go by Ballpark Village, and then come back to the racetrack before we park them. So that's going to be a a tremendous spectacle that uh, kind of showcases just how big this sport really is. And that's going to really generate a lot of energy leading up to the race.
1: So whenever a big event comes to St. Louis, whether it's the Gymnastic Olympic Trials or the PGA Championship, we know that St. Louis sports fans show up, and that is reflected financially with the infusion of money we see in the region. I'm assuming you guys are expecting a big economic impact for St. Louis with an event like this as well.
3: Yeah, we've been working with Maryville University. They put together a study that shows this is going to be an economic impact of over $60 million for this event weekend. And you know, a lot of people benefit, as Chuck knows, from their support with the Bomarito Automotive Group 500 IndyCar race. It's a big local. Impact for us, but for the sponsors and everyone that's involved, the effects just continue on. You know, Chuck and his team took that race to have grown now into a national brand uh, through their involvement with motorsports.
5: Yeah, St. Louis is such a great sports town. I mean, we really need to support this cup race and racing to bring racing back to St. Louis at the level it is now. Is you know, 10 years ago, you wouldn't have thought about it, but if you haven't been to a race and you haven't seen it live, it's nothing like on TV. Come out and see it. It's a family. It's a family event. There's things to do all weekend long. Uh, in fact, Bomerite Automotive Group is with any service at any one of our 20 locations. You can get two tickets for uh, for Petty Day Friday at no charge. Wow! So bring the family out.
4: All right. So Richard Petty going to be the first guy to have a NASCAR car on that track. And by the way, we need to point this out again, because if people weren't paying close attention, as you mentioned, 49 states, five countries going to be represented. A great opportunity to showcase our metro area, not only as a sports town, but as a town.
3: It is, and that's one of the things we're t- in talking with a lot of the leaders, both on both sides of the river. Everybody's excited about it. Hotels are filling up. Uh, the restaurant owners are making plans on how they're going to manage the uh, influx of people. Uh, we're getting calls from all kinds of uh, fans who are looking forward to taking their kids to the zoo and checking out other that's things great. that we have going on. And we're even going to do a theme night with the uh, with the Cardinals on the Tuesday before uh, the race. And people are coming in early because they want to be able to go visit the Cardinals and and come to our race. And hopefully they can catch a playoff game with the Blues one not that week too. That's what we're hoping for.
4: All right, is there a car or a driver that you guys particularly are interested in seeing on this track, Chuck? The, num- gotta-
5: the Barmito number forty-three. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. <laughs> that's the one. No doubt about Petty it. blue and Barmerito red. Yeah.
3: I have, well, I have to say the Bomberito 43, <laughs> but no, I'm actually looking forward to seeing uh, Alex, uh, Alex Bowman, who's an old friend of mine, Kyle Larson, Christopher Belk. But they all race around here when they were growing up and developing Great. their careers. Seeing them come back to the big place is going to be uh, extra special for all of us. And again, ticket information available at? WWTRaceway.com. All right, and you can also go and, to And this, we've yeah. got a limited number of tickets at
5: Bomberito.com to our Turn 4 Experience Center. Still available.
4: Great. So you can go to com for tickets as well. Yes. That's fantastic. Guys, thanks for what you are doing, what you've done to bring NASCAR to St. Louis, the, the cup series. It's, it's going to be awesome. I'm really looking forward to it. And. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to announce that sellout here in the next uh, few days because you talk about making an impact when you when you sell out a couple of weeks ahead of time that's an impact right
3: it sure is and that's one of the things that's good you know we have a three-year commitment for this race but the impact we can make those first two years will determine the future for everything that we do here in this region
4: thanks chris good to see you
3: thank you so much chris
4: blair from worldwide technology raceway chuck wallace as always from Bomberito. Good to see you and thank
5: you very much. Thank you.
4: And uh, as I mentioned on the commercials, the character family has a couple of Bomberito vehicles. People in the market for a Bomberito vehicle get to one of the 20 area locations.
5: Yes, please. Bomberito.com. <laughs> Open 24-7. There you
4: go. All right. Coming
5: up next on 101 ESPN,
4: John Morosi of MLB Network was kicking around the idea of the Cardinals going out and getting a shortstop. We're going to join him next on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN.
6: Brought to you by Sidon Stricker Noby John Deere. Find them online at snpartners.com.
4: With Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carricker. It's 9:02 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And John Morosi of MLB Network is going to be part of their showcase telecast of the Yankees and White Sox tonight at seven o'clock. Check out the Yankees and the depleted Tony Larusa White Sox at seven o'clock tonight on MLB Network. John Morosi was on MLB Central yesterday talking about the possibility of Xander Bogarts, the Red Sox shortstop, being made available, and suggested that. It would be hard to find a better fit in the major leagues than the St. Louis Cardinals. And when we hear that, our ears perk up and we got to get John Morosi on the show. And he's with us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Good morning, sir. How you doing?
6: Randy and Michelle, good morning to both of you. Thanks for having me on the show today. Really appreciate it. Uh, We're excited about having you
4: on. Let's start with this because obviously the Red Sox came into the season with high hopes and Xander Bogarts does have an opt-out. What do you think the odds are? What do you think the possibility is, I guess, of him being moved by the Red Sox?
6: Well, I I think right now the way they're playing, the the chances are increasing. Uh, They have struggled early. And, of course, they're playing in a division where it is incredibly difficult to make a lot of progress because of the strength of the clubs that are ahead of them right now in the standings. So you take all those factors into consideration. You consider that in past years, under the same ownership group, they've traded John Lester. They traded Mookie Betts before he became a free agent. Uh, And so it does appear to me that Bogarts is likely to exercise his opt-out. And so you have to, therefore treat him as if he is a, a free agent, and and perhaps there's a way to um, equate maybe the situation with Bogarts in Boston with what Nolan Arnato had in Colorado, and maybe there's a way to move the opt-out back or, or fully guarantee the money or, or do something else to add value in uh, to uh, perhaps have that negotiating window to extend Bogarts Uh, And or put more money in the contract to make it worth his while to stay in St. Louis and not opt out. Uh, Those are obviously particulars that would enter into the the equation further down the line. But the reality is uh, the, the Red Sox and Bogarts are not close on an extension. Uh, they've already signed Trevor Story, who appears to be his ultimate successor at shortstop. He's playing second base uh, for the time being. And and when you look at all these different elements and consider where the Cardinals are right now as well, uh, the Cardinals' uh, shortstops and, of course, Paul DeYoung part of this, uh, they've hit a collective 160 this year. Their OPS collectively is 518. The Cardinals are a good ball club with an obvious weakness at this position. And you've got a a gold glove winner in Tommy Edmond, You probably want to keep him on the right side of the infield. He's been so good over there. It just, to me, is one of the more obvious fits that is out there. And uh, I think if Bogarts is moved, I would expect the Cardinals to be in those conversations until the very last minute.
1: Well, what do those conversations look like? What is the asking price, or what do you think the asking price will look like for Xander Bogarts?
6: You know, it's a great question, Michelle. Because for me, he's in a fundamentally different spot than than Arenado in in that in terms of what the price tag could be, because he is priced fairly and and he's he's obviously in midseason form, and and it's just it's a different. Uh, I guess what I'm saying is I don't expect it to be a, a true salary dump, if you will, which almost it seemed like the, the 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 Arenado trade was. I think you're going to have to give up something of greater value. Is it a Matthew Libertor? I don't know. I think that, that might depend on how much of a guarantee the Cardinals can get in terms of Bogarts not opting out. But to me, he's a clear fit for this team, both in the near term and the long term. And that's where, when you look at how much he's signed for into the future, I, he's he's an ideal fit for this team. There is not a, a shortstop at AAA for the Cardinals, who, who seems to me to be ready to play this position on an everyday basis. I think Sosa is a really good player and, and certainly a, a valuable one to have. I, I, I just think Bogarts gives you much more overall value. And when you think about the Cardinals, that they've been able to make the playoffs, obviously, in recent years but have have not been able to advance to a World Series for a while. And I think Bogarts is that World Series-type player that can bring you to that level. And so whether the uh, – to me, I, I would say given what the Red Sox needs are, I, I would think Matthew Libertor's name is going to come up in those conversations. They need, uh, they need rotation help, and, and he probably is, is the most natural person – To start that conversation. We'll have to see where it goes from there.
1: Do you think Nolan Gorman's name may come up in these discussions? He's a guy who's killing it uh, in the minors for the Cardinals, and a lot of Cardinals fans are waiting for him to get the call-up, but do you think that the Cardinals might be willing to part with him?
6: Well, I I think it's possible, and the reason why, Michelle, is you think about where Gorman's positions are. Largely, it's it's second and third. Well, you've got uh, platinum glove winner, gold glove winners at both positions, and and so I, I do think that he is He is blocked there, and and if you think about the way the Red Sox could arrange their club going forward, if if the Red Sox were to, to acquire Gorman in the deal, then you would move story short, and Gorman plays second. Now, of course, Devers is coming up on free agency as well. I actually think it's a great point that you make about Gorman, because given that he's blocked right now... By both Arenado and Edmund, if he moves to Boston, he would give them insurance against Devers's potential departure at third. He also could play second in the near term. So I think you're spot on there where if it's not Libertor, Gorman could be a natural fit to go in this trade. And the reality is there's going to be enough competition to get Bogart's that I think you're going to have to give up someone of of great value, and I think that probably would be either Gorman or Libertor.
4: MLB Network's John Morosi with Carrick and Smallman on 101 ESPN. And John, Adam Wainwright told us just the day before yesterday, he said, we had a stretch here in St. Louis where guys didn't want to come here like they had before. He said, that's back now with Goldie coming and for going free agency and signing for probably less than he could have gotten on the free agent market, Aronata wanting to come here. What sense, because your ear is to the ground and you're at games talking to players and management people all the time, what sense are you getting about the attractiveness of the Cardinals for Major League players right now?
6: I, I think it's very high. I mean, it, for me, it always has been because of just the, the fan support, the culture of the organization, uh, the support the players receive when they're there, uh, the, the, the quality of leadership you've had there for a long time. And, and to me, you look at the leadership structure of this team, and you, you've got Wainwright, Molina, and Pools there now. And then, of course, as you look to the future, that next generation of leaders, Edmund, Goldschmidt, Arnado, O'Neal, Bader, they all there's such a great – defensive core of this team, which I, I think when you combine the pitching with, with the defense, you know you're going to have the chance to go to the playoffs every single year. And, and I think that's where, in the case of Arenado, of course he's from California, he'd been a National League West player for his entire career. He came to St. Louis because he knows what a great baseball town St. Louis is and, and the chance to win every single season. The, the reality is, you look around the game and and the National League Central probably is not top to bottom, one of the more competitive divisions right now. So you know that you have a, a very good chance to make the playoffs and be there every year. I think Nolan is someone who is just tired of, uh, of losing, tired of not being quite good enough in Colorado as a team. And I think the chance to compete for a playoff berth every year was incredibly appealing for him. So he goes to St. Louis. And I think that Xander Bogarts has been someone who, uh, as we all know, was in the World Series as a rookie playing against the Cardinals in 2013 at the age of 20. And so that was his introduction to Major League Baseball. He's he's already won two World Series championships, and and he's someone that if he's going to move on and go somewhere else, it's going to have to be to a team probably that that has that same hunger to win and and that has a chance to put him in the playoffs every single year the Cardinals can do that, and, and what a tremendous double play combination he would have with Edmond, and just, you think about the up to middle defense with, with how quality Bader is out there, and O'Neill too. It, it, it's just, it's the Cardinals are a fun team to watch play, and I, I would think that the Bogarts would, would relish the chance to play in a city like St. Louis uh, for, for many years to come.
4: John Morosi, one more thing from me in regards to many more years. You're going to have Trey Turner on the market. You might have Correa back on the market. We saw Seager get 325 over ten, where do you think Bogarts slots in with the other shortstops that have been or are going to be on the market? Is is he going to be a, a three hundred dollar or three hundred million dollar guy? Because the Cardinals aren't going there; they aren't going three hundred million. So, where does he slot in among the other guys?
6: Yeah, it's a very interesting question because of course he's he right now his AAV on the extension is is about $20 dollars $20 a year. I I think he is a. Twenty-five million dollar a year shortstop. If he hits the market right now, for me, he's at least at that level, maybe even higher. So if if you go with with a twenty-seven million dollar AAV, and remembering how young he is, of course he doesn't turn thirty until October. If he's a twenty-seven million dollar shortstop over over a six year look, that at least gets him to the one sixty two range, maybe even higher. I, I I think that's probably where where he is. I'm not sure that he goes. 300 million dollars but but i do i do think you could get somewhere between 160 and 200 over a six or a seven year deal i think that's a, it's a very fair area to be in and again he's someone that has that versatility where he's so athletic he can move around now obviously the, the one position he would move to based on his prior experience is third and the cardinals have a pretty mm-hmm. good third baseman right now so okay. i i think that for me uh, extending him five, six years in that $27 million range is, is both fair and, and I think something the Cardinals can probably handle given how well they've managed their payroll expectations elsewhere. And, of course, Yachty's money's coming off the books. Wayno's money's coming off the books. I, I, I do think there is that ability to, to sign that one more uh, sort of luxury-type player, and, and Bogart I think would be a great choice for the Cardinals there.
4: Who are you working with tonight on the showcase game?
6: Really excited to work with Rich Waltz and Tom Berducci here in Chicago. So great to be here in the Midwest. It should be a fun matchup. I'll, I'll give uh, uh, Tony La Russa your very best regards, and uh, can't wait to be here on the call for this game tonight.
4: I was going to ask you to do that, and he'll just grumble, but uh, we're, we're glad that you're going to do it. <laughs> John Marossi, thanks, will so, do. Yeah, th- thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate a great insight, and we always love talking to you. By the way, uh, I told these guys that you went to school with Ben Boyd. They didn't believe me that you went to school with Ben Boyd. <laughs> I have
6: known Ben Boyd since we were working as clerks on the desk at the Boston Globe at the age of like 18 or 19, and Ben uh, is and uh, was then as genuine as as they come. So uh, always a great representative of St. Louis. So, yes, uh, Ben and I go way, way back.
4: John, great to have you with us. Have a great day, and we'll uh, be watching tonight. All the best, Randy Michelle, thanks so much. Thank you. John Morosi, MLB Network, joining us on 101
1: ESPN. Well, that is a good talking point. Would you be interested in Xander Bogarts to the Cardinals if you knew it would cost you Nolan Gorman and or Matthew Libertor?
4: I would have to take a deep dive. Uh, Maybe we
1: discuss that tomorrow.
4: 27 times 6 equals 160. I think that might be, if it takes the guy to 35, that might be palatable for the Cardinals with... Mm -hmm. Melina and presumably Wainwright coming off the books next year. Um, now the price of Aradauto is going to continue to go up for the Cardinals because the money from Colorado continues to go down. Right. but if you're looking big picture, your revenues are going to go up because of the expanded playoff. You're going to be back to drawing three point four million people. I wonder if that's something that the Cardinals would pursue. And if you're trying to go for it this year, do you roll the dice on a rental by? trading one of the names that you two were talking about
1: i just know that they love a young cost-controlled product yes they do and i don't know which one they would be more likely to part with is it gorman who is producing big time and you would with the inconsistencies we've seen offensively at times you would want to have that bat in your lineup some way i know a lot of people don't want to sacrifice defensively for him but Gosh, how would you feel as a Cardinal fan if you never got to see the Matthew Libertore experiment? If you never got to see him come to this level mm-hmm. and see after what everything. he could do after the Randy Rosarena yeah. deal, and and maybe the the Cardinals use that hype to to get a guy and go all in now? I don't know, but. I would just be very interested to see how Cardinals fans would feel about either of the of those guys going in a deal for Xander Bogarts.
4: About thirty two years ago, the Red Sox traded a young third baseman for a rental reliever named Larry Anderson. That young third baseman became a first baseman named Jeff Bagwell. Hmm. So, you always have to be wary when you're training yes. good prospects. You always have to be. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, Jeremy Rutherford is going to join us, and he's going to tell us what his Mad Lib is. The Blues win game six against Minnesota tonight, if blank. That's next on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know
5: about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go.
4: The Blues and the Minnesota Wild game six tonight. It's an elimination game for the Wild. And you'll hear the pregame at 730, actually uh, a six o'clock pre pregame here on 101 ESPN with Alex Ferrario. And I believe that uh, he's going to be joined by BK and by Tanner. So that'll be fun. And I'm sure at some point throughout the course of the day after this segment, we'll hear from Jeremy Rutherford on these airwaves as well. Our Blues insider from The Athletic is with us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Good morning, sir. How you doing?
8: Good morning. Good morning. How are you guys doing?
4: Everything's good. Okay, you've been listening because you do every morning, and we do appreciate that. Uh, The Blues win Game 6 if fill in the blank.
8: Yeah, I was thinking about this as you uh, teased before the break. Uh, Randy, Michelle, I think the Blues win Game 6 tonight if they are able to weather what I think is going to be a big storm from Minnesota. And who knows when that's going to happen. Is that going to happen You know, right at the puck drop is going to be late first period, early second period. I just know that this Minnesota team is not going to go down without a fight. I think they're going to come hard. And I think if the Blues have the mentality where it's like, yeah, no, thanks for trying. You know, here's your door prize. See you later. Then I think that uh, the Blues will have their best chance of winning. There's going to be a storm at some time and the Blues have to get through it if they want to win this one.
1: Just to clarify, Jr., what are the elements of this storm? Are you talking from a physicality standpoint? Or are you talking about from an intensity standpoint? Give us the elements here.
8: Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a sprinkle of everything. I think it's <laughs> going to be physicality. I think they're going to, you know, I think that uh, Delorier, Felino, these guys are going to come hitting like we saw a little bit of uh, from the Blues in that last game, and I think, uh, you know, they're going to come and, and try to score some goals. They haven't been able to do that. You know, I did a little breakdown today of what, Jordan Bennington and the Blues defense have been doing to try to take them out of that Uh, but I think once your situation is what the Wilds is tonight you know you finish second uh, great season for them and then to uh, be in a position where he could be eliminated tonight we're going to see their best
6: hey JR why
4: has the Blues game and it's not just Jordan Bennington stopping pucks but why have they been more effective since he got between the pipes
8: Yeah, it's because of his puck play. And it's something, you know, you always try to keep an ear open in those press conferences for something that uh, becomes a trend with the coach. So in this example, Craig Berube, after game four with Jordan Bennington, said his puck play was just great. You know, day off, he says the puck play was great. Game five, he says he really played the puck well. So you catch on to, and we're seeing that. We see that with our own eyes. But when the coach keeps bringing it up, you know, you really want to dive into it. And so that's what I did yesterday. I looked at a bunch of film of Jordan Bennington and you see it so every time the puck goes into the zone you have Blues defensemen doing a really good job of standing up the wild forwards at the blue line so they, they don't get much speed coming in they can't get in on the forecheck and create loose pucks and turnovers and you know regain possession after they do dump it in and what you're seeing with Jordan Bennington guys is he's finding that puck he's looking up he's being aware you see it in the video he'll either find a guy on his forehand or he'll backhand it to the other defenseman on the other side and they clear the puck out. So, Minnesota never gets a chance to establish anything. We've known for a few years he's been a good puck handler, but it's really shining here in this series.
1: Jr., we knew that Vladimir Tarasenko would likely have a breakout game at some point in this series, and we saw it in the third period of Game 5, and you have a great piece up at The Athletic about this, and I don't know if it's Kaprizov shining in the first period and Vladimir Tarasenko saying to the other Russian-born player, no, no, hold my beer, as you suggested. It's my time to shine. But it just kind of felt like this was inevitable from Vladimir Tarasenko in the series, no? Yeah,
8: no, you're exactly right. And as I was watching Kaprizov go off in that first period, I was like, wow, this is impressive. I mean, that play that he made on that second goal, that shot, I mean, that's just as elite as it comes. And you sit there and you think, you know, are we really going to be writing in a couple of days that the Blues lost and Tarasenko didn't do much and Kaprizov was the star and, you know, not necessarily a changing of the guard. There's a lot of good young Russian players in the league. Uh, but, uh, you know, Vladdy, you get to that third period, so much on the line. Now, if he would have scored a goal and got the Blues back into it, I would have said, wow, you know, he's, he's stepping up here. Uh, but to score three, including the empty netter, just a crazy third period for him, uh, really shows his leadership and that he was holding some accountability for himself there in the third period. And, uh, and at the end of the night, even with what Kaprizov did, glad he was the story.
4: And it was an unbelievable scoring year in the NHL. Obviously, you you have a guy like Matthews get to 60, and you had multiple players, a lot of players over 40 goals. But Vladdy, who's been on the cover of NHL 2K in the past, seems to me down the stretch and with a game like the other night, can reestablish himself as one of the elite guys in the league.
8: Yeah, I think he can. I think there's enough superstars and good young players that I don't know that you know, he can be one of those top five faces in the league anymore when you do have Matthews and McDavid and and those guys. But I'll tell you what, he is he's right there with the way he's played. Uh, maybe that next tier where everybody knows that when you play St. Louis, Vladimir Tarasenko has a chance to score three in the third period and beat you. So, you know, maybe you know that phase of his career has passed a little bit. But, Randy, I, I think you're right. I think that if he can still continue to produce like the way he did in the regular season and with what he did the other night, he can still be one of those guys.
1: Jerry, some discussion about who might be in net for the Minnesota Wild tonight. Do you think that they'll stick with Marc-André Fleury or do you think that they'll pull the Cam Talbot card heading into game 6?
8: Yeah, it's a good question. So we haven't had any signals yet. I know Dean Evison said yesterday there would be some changes, he wasn't uh, going to reveal those, but they've been really strong with sticking with that decision to go with uh, Marc-André Fleury. You know, could they mix it up? You know, Fleury's been part of a couple goals, you know, communication or letting them in uh, lately here that's kind of changed things a little bit. So I guess I could see him going to Cam Talbot, but gosh, you know, thirteen zero and three down the stretch. But now he's been sitting for a couple weeks, so can you really, you know, throw him into a series he hasn't played a minute and expect him to perform well? He hasn't played great in St. Louis when he's been here, um, so I think it's going to be what everybody's going to be looking at on the ice this morning to see who comes off the ice first for the Wild.
4: JR, one of the things we saw in games two and three specifically was the Blues kind of running around for a hit. And they've calmed things down, and that's been a big part of the reason that they've won the last couple. And we we talk about whether it's a goalie change or adjustments by Dean Evason with Minnesota. Do you think that there's any desire on their part to get even more physical, or do they need to get back to a more skilled lineup tonight?
8: To me, both teams that have tried to be overly physical, it's it's uh, not worked out for them, and that includes the Blues who did that uh, earlier in the series, and were just hitting everything. To me, you have to find your hits. Like Braden Shen leveling Kaprizov in that last game. You know, if you find a hit like that, uh, great. Uh, but if you have, you know, two and three, four guys headhunting, I don't think it's uh, it's paid off for either team. So to me, you know, with Minnesota tonight, yeah, they need to be physical, but that doesn't, that shouldn't be their number one priority. And to answer your question, I don't think, you know, Everson is going to be looking to put together a lineup that's going go, uh, to go looking to knock the Blues around tonight. You know, they, they got to find some goals. They got to get in uh, on the four check and create some zone time, so on and so forth. Uh, but he's got to find a, a lineup that's going to be responsible and that at the, at the end of the day is going to be able to produce.
1: Jr. some of us have to get up super early in the morning and have <laughs> thought that these 8.30 p.m. puck drops have been a little ridiculous. I see you tweet yesterday that it's going to be an 8.50 puck drop for game six tonight. What's up with that?
8: Yeah, how about that? So yesterday I was doing that work on that Bennington story and uh, somebody texts me and you know, your phone beeps and it's sitting next to you and you look down and first you who it is and then you see what what it says and i look down and it says 850 puck drop like oh come oh. on you gotta, you gotta be kidding me so i was feeling for you guys first
1: thanks jr i appreciate do that.
8: appreciate that a lot but that's
1: brutal Do you know gary bettman can't you put in a word we need an earlier start
8: yeah,
4: no, I got zero pull on that front. <laughs> so, little inside hockey here. Aside from yeah. the the contract and getting a, a lot of good advice from friends when he made the move to the Athletic, one of the big things for Jeremy Rutherford was to get away from deadlines. So that's <laughs> one of the nice things about tonight, right?
8: It is. It is. I, I'll tell you what, though. Uh, so we have an editing desk, and I won't get too far off in the weeds here. But uh, you know, they they close about two two thirty in the morning. So while you don't have that. Eleven thirty, twelve 12 deadline that I had at the uh, post-dispatch I do have uh, you know two o'clock in the morning and what happens maybe there's writers listening what as a writer you take all the time that you are allotted and so a lot of times if, if you had a, de- a midnight deadline you'd finish it quicker but I seem to let it drag out for some reason I don't know so uh, but yeah you're right Randy it's it's nice to have those extra couple hours to kind of put together the, the story about the game who
4: sticks around if anybody for example, tonight, if you have uh, double overtime between the Kings and the Oilers, and that starts at 9 o'clock, so does somebody stick around for the end of that one?
8: No, no, I think, uh, you know, we're usually, we're usually out of there by about 2. I think, you know, in terms of editors sticking around to edit those late-game stories, yeah, they probably have a West Coast editor that'll stick around uh, for that one, and then if not, uh, get picked up in the morning. So we'll get them all edited. We don't want any typos in those stories that you read, no. but... Yeah, a lot of people pulling some late hours to, to get this coverage on the website.
4: Well, we love it. We love the work that you do, and we appreciate you joining us as our Blues insider. Have a, a great day. Get a nap in before that 8.50 puck drop tonight.
8: Yeah, we'll do that. I saw Justin Falk in Minnesota coming out of the elevator heading for the uh, his nap, and I said, have a good nap. And he said, you too. You guys need one to write those stories. So, <laughs> all right, thanks a lot.
4: All right, JR, take it easy. Jeremy Rutherford with us on 101 ESPN. It's, it is kind of ridiculous that... The blues game ostensibly is going to go. I can't talk anymore.
1: You okay? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. It's going
4: to start like 15 minutes before the, the a game in LA.
1: That's nuts.
4: Yeah, it's stupid, isn't what it?
1: What are we doing, NHL? Come on.
4: Let's fix this. Two all Midwestern
1: right? teams. Think of the kids.
4: At the end of the day, think about the kids.
1: Think it's all about the kids. Yeah. Young blues fans who are going to be your next generation of. Ticket buying and merchandise purchasing -hmm. purchasing fans, they have school tomorrow. They need to stay up and watch this game. Go to the game, stay up to watch it. What are we doing here?
4: And think about the wild kids, the next generation of Twitter trolls and whiners.
1: (laughs) Is that what they're going to be?
4: They're wild fans, aren't they?
1: Now it's I haven't I haven't seen a lot of this trolling Whoa, on Twitter. Braden
4: Shen hit our guy. Well, yeah, but it's the playoffs. It's it's a hard game. You don't win the Stanley Cup unless you hit people.
1: It's a legal hit too.
4: Yeah, and don't forget that Jared Spurgeon did try to injure our winger Butchnevich. Yeah. Yeah, but he apologized and he paid his fine.
1: Cross check to the ankle. You're lucky yeah. he didn't injure him. That's all I'm saying. You know, fan. but it's the classic case of jealousy. Jealousy is a disease Minnesota Wild fans get well soon because clearly they would love to have a guy like Braden Shen on their side.
4: Yes, you're 100% right. They we hate send us. send you our well wishes. teas
1: ha- and, and P's. Thoughts and prayers.
4: They hate us because they hate us. <laughs> <laughs> you're killing me, Falls is next time. On 101 ESPN. <laughs> Your St. Louis Blues are battling in the Stanley
0: Cup playoffs, and you can tune in this Friday from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. to hear BK and info. What's totally killing Smalls right now?
1: You're killing me, Smalls.
0: You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN.
4: So it's a warm day. Mm -hmm. Michelle, before we get to your killing me, Smalls, I just had an idea during the break. Tell me. Now, I don't have tickets for the game tonight, but if you have tickets for the game, right now it's 9.38 in the morning. Plan a tailgate. 8.50 start, get downtown about eh, 6, 5.36, and tailgate before the Blues wild clincher tonight.
1: So what time do you think people should start tailgating because you don't want to peak too soon, well, especially with an 8.50? Well, I keep saying 8.50 as Jeremy mm-hmm. Rutherford just told us last segment. It's going to be a 9.07 puck drop.
4: Oh, man. Well, see, here's the thing. If you get down, if you have the day off, or you can get the afternoon off, if you can get down there by 3, now it's going to be warm, so bring your tent, okay? But get a grill, get some steaks, set things up, and do a little tailgating. Yeah. Or just get, you know... Get some pizzas you can do a simple one mm-hmm. make sure you have the tent to stay warm but get a few pizzas and uh tailgate before this game
1: you know i might be in the minority here but when it's this hot the thought of eating a pizza it's just really? it's i can handle it too warm and heavy for me
4: so bring a salad then we can we can do salads a fruit salad or something like that
1: but that also feels like it doesn't fit the vibe of a tailgate oh let me shake up my well, dressing not, and pour it over lettuce
4: not just a salad but you stop by the deli at schnook's and they'll have everything you need. If you, you know, get some potato salad and, and fried chicken. And uh, make sure that when you go to Shooks, you get your cookie cake. But just tailgate before this one tonight.
1: What do you think the state of St. Louis is going to look like tomorrow? 850, 850, mm-hmm. and air quotes puck drop. If the Blues win game six tonight, we're all going to be on the struggle bus tomorrow be, morning.
4: Well, we'll be jazzed, though. Jazzed, it, but tired worse. and Yeah, but up. it'll be worse if we lose. Oh, We'll be dragging.
1: I can't even think about that because you're right if it is a victory for your St. Louis Blues tonight.
4: We can power through.
1: Adrenaline will carry us through to happy hour at 4 p.m. Right. But if they lose tonight it is going to be a brutal and I mean brutal Friday at the office for a lot of our friends.
5: It's Friday (laughs) Friday Gotta
4: get down on Friday We'll see.
1: You're killing me Smalls. Speaking of hot you know what is on fire? Tom Brady's bank account.
4: Oh, doctor.
1: Tom Brady's bank account. I thought when Tom Brady actually retired, not this start stop false alarm that mm-hmm. we've had from him, but when he really hung it up, Randy, I thought that this guy would want to go to the beach. I thought he'd want to throw back some tequila. We know he loves avocado tequila. Yeah. Maybe throw back some shots, drink a few beers, get crazy, and indulge on some nightshades, Tomatoes, strawberries, <laughs> left and right. I don't know. Maybe hang out with your kids or your supermodel wife, but no. Instead, Tom Brady wants to lock himself up for another high-pressure job. Reportedly, 10 years, $375 million to join the number one broadcast, broadcast booth at Fox. Your thoughts.
4: Well, number one, even with that sort of dough, he's not going to catch up to Giselle, who has made upwards of $50 million in many of her modeling years. But I think that's what it took to get him to turn his head. I don't think that he was planning to be a broadcaster until somebody said, well, $375 million. That'll get your attention. And Mm -hmm. he also... I'm sure, again, is looking at the other quarterbacks. He's looking at Aikman, he's looking at Romo, he's looking at Manning, and he's saying, well, not only can I do better than them, but I can make more than them. I believe it's still ultimately a competition against those guys for Tom Brady, and that's why he's going to find himself in the booth.
1: Do you think he's going to be good in the booth?
4: No, I don't think he's going to be. I don't think that he'll be as good as Romo. He, he can be an analyst like Aikman, but he's not going to be colorful. Tom Brady is, is not going to be colorful. Now, uh, I read a piece this morning that part of the reason he's doing this is because he wants to advocate for the players. He's always been a good mm-hmm. advocate for the players. But I don't know that that's what the general general football fan wants to hear.
1: You know what I'll be interested to see is a couple things. Number one, if he's critical of any players. Mm -hmm. Because right now, he's pretty much beloved across the board. And Peyton Manning on the Manning cast did a lot of X's and O's stuff. But he wasn't overly critical of players. But being in the booth, in the game, in the moment requires you to analyze things that happen in real time. And... You're not. It's not your own novelty show that you've put together like the Mannings. And I don't mean that lightly, but they're running the ship there. You know, they're joking around. They're mm-hmm. having fun. They can kind of set the tone. Being in the number one broadcast booth for the biggest game of the week requires a different sort of energy. And at times, it will require you to be critical. And I wonder how he's going to feel when he has to say something negative about somebody that he knows.
4: And I believe the further you get away from that as a player, Aikman does a great job of being critical. But yeah. being critical, not just because the the guy's a jerk or anything, but critical of the play because, like us, he, he the expectation should be higher for an NFL player. I don't know that Brady early on is going to be able to pull that off. I don't think Romo does.
1: Yeah, but Troy Aikman also isn't doing the things Tom Brady's doing on social media trying Mm -hmm, to get in the conversation and be super likable and get all the likes I always say whatever he's paying his social media team it's not enough because for a guy who should generally be super unlikable because of all the success he's had the controversies the supermodel wife these are things that would lead us to not like Tom Brady his social media presence is awesome he's so funny and it's it's topical and he's self-deprecating and I don't know if that's him naturally or if it's a constructed image from his team but either way you're kind of giving some of that up when you step into that role right yeah i also wonder if he makes it the full 10 years. Because he's got all this other stuff going on, mm-hmm. TB12, his apparel line. He said part of the reason that he wanted to walk away was to spend more time with his family. And even though it's not going to require the same amount of dedication to your craft that being an NFL quarterback it is, he still has to go to meetings. He still has to be at these games. He's still going to have to miss stuff with his family. I wonder if he lasts 10 well, years. And
4: he's he's not taking the job until after he retires from football. Is he going to be wanted, wanting to broadcast when he's 70? <laughs>
1: Because you think he plays till 60? Yeah, yeah probably. Yeah. That's a that's a great point, Randy. I don't know. At that point, you might be ready to shut her down. Um, one more thing. Will Tom Brady being in the booth make you want to turn on a game that you normally wouldn't have any interest in? If it's a terrible matchup, let's say, but he's in the booth. Because that's what Fox is banking mm-hmm. on, right? This is the greatest of all time. He's one of the most popular and recognizable figures in America. He will bring eyeballs and money to our product.
4: For the first game, I will be there. What they're hoping is that people that wouldn't ordinarily watch are going to watch kind of like a Super Bowl. Brady's the Super Bowl quarterback. I don't know that he's that beloved that people that wouldn't ordinarily watch a game will watch simply because Tom Brady's voice is on it.
1: If he isn't, Super entertaining. Like Tony Romo found a lane, right? He was just himself, but the way that he would call plays and watch them develop and and predict things, people wanted to tune in to see if he could do that. Um, Peyton Manning, as I mentioned, different on the Manning cast, but he had all these great guests, and he and Eli have such an interesting rapport that you're going to tune in for that. If Tom Brady doesn't have something like that, I wonder if two years into this it has the same sizzle. I mean, he's still the greatest of all time. But
4: But that goes away because, I mean, think now... How many people that are watching the games 50% saw Troy Aikman play? Maybe 50%? Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, he hadn't played since 2000, 99 something like that.
1: Well, just like there's a generation of football or uh, excuse me, a basketball fans that know Michael Jordan as the shoe guy, there's going to be a generation of football fans that know Troy Aikman as the yeah. guy the broadcaster. And uh, Totally. I don't know if Tom Brady will be the same, but I just can't believe that that's part of the reason, too, that Michael Jordan wanted to do the last dance. That was part of yeah. the pitches. There's all these kids that think of Jordan as apparel, and they think right. of shoes, and they haven't seen how great you are.
4: Stay relevant. Right. The Cardinals have sent Kramer Robertson down to Memphis. Mm. Hardly knew you. Yeah. And Edmundo Sosa has been activated, and we presume that he'll be in the lineup today all against right. the Orioles.
1: You're killing me, Smalls. And finally, Randy, speaking of former New England Patriots quarterbacks, the Patriots are finalizing a trade of backup quarterback Jared Stidham to the (laughs) Las Vegas Raiders. They're going to flip late-round draft picks in the deal, according to Mike Reese. But remember when at one point we thought, oh, Jared Stidham, this is going to be the heir apparent to Mm -hmm. Tom Brady. He's going to be the guy. But nope, looks like he's going to be Derek Carr's backup.
4: And Josh McDaniels flattering himself, making him think, Himself think that he can turn Jared Stidham into a player and he can't look Bill <laughs> Belichick did a great job with Tom Brady as his quarterback the other ancillary aspects to Bill Belichick's New England career are mediocre and that includes going out and fight he did a good job with Jimmy G I guess but Jacoby Brissett never really became anything and the thing is people be- even in the league people believe that because Bill Belichick found this guy he must be good not the case
1: Do you think that shine is still the same, though, after Brady left and had success in Tampa and you started to, at least some people started to really decipher how much of the credit pie they were going to give to Brady and how much they were going to give to Belichick? Do you think that shine is still there? Because there was a point there Mm -hmm. where you didn't want to pick up the phone if Bill Belichick was calling you.
4: Exactly, right.
1: And I don't know if that still exists. I,
4: I think it does. Because I think the national media narrative is still, oh, he's great, and they don't understand that he's like 20 games under five hundred when Tom Brady isn't his starting quarterback, and he's won two playoff games when Tom Brady isn't his starting quarterback. There's still this belief that he that he's the GOAT, that he's somehow better than Don Shuler or Joe Gibbs, when looks to me like he's a product of Tom Brady's greatness.
1: I would love, speaking of Tom Brady, to be unfiltered in the media. He's done a lot of stuff that's produced by him. I would love for someone to do a neutral interview where he has no creative control and they really ask him questions like this and kind of catch him off Don't guard. Don't let
4: him know yeah. ahead of time what the questions are going to be. I would
1: just love his raw and unfiltered answer of how how much was him, how much was Belichick. But
4: every at this stage now, probably for the last, what, four or five years, everything with Tom Brady is prepackaged. There is there is no spontane spontaneity with Tom Brady at this stage.
1: And you know what? The, the truth of the matter is is Bill Belichick is a great football mind. And would Tom Brady have had the same success without him? I, I read Seth Wickersham's yep. book. Good they question. were they worked in concert together every single week for the game right. plan. So a. The answer simply could be one wouldn't have been great as great without right. the other.
4: The difference is, is that Brady went and won a Super Bowl without Belichick.
1: Yeah, scoreboard Brady.
4: Yeah, exactly. Thanks, Michelle. You got it. Coming up, we're going to head down the stretch with What's On Tap. Great news for St. Louis City SC. That's next on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
4: Alright, some so bookkeeping stuff that we need to take care of. Don't forget that you'll be able to tune in to the other shows, aside from the balloon party, on our particular airwaves today. You've got BK and Ferrario and the Fast Lane at Enterprise Center, gearing up for game six. If you've got tickets and you're headed to Enterprise, here's what you need to do. Make sure you get there early. Enjoy the Bud Light Happy Hour pregame party inside the Anheuser-Busch Beer Garden. And that starts two hours prior to puck drop, so that's going to be like at 10 o'clock tonight. Uh, enjoy live music, food, and drink specials, and stop by the 101 ESP. Table to get registered to win a signed Blues jersey. Actually, it'll be six fifty two hours prior to puck drop. The Hart Trophy finalists, Michelle, have been named. Austin Matthews of Toronto, Connor McDavid of Edmonton, and Igor Shesterkin, the Rangers goalie. A couple of Eastern, three Eastern Conference guys, named as finalists for the Hart Trophy. Nice. Good for them.
1: Yeah. Congrats, boys.
4: And... Speaking of congrats, our friends at St. Louis City SC have named another founding sponsor. Anheuser-Busch has been named as a founding sponsor as well as the official beer sponsor of St. Louis City SC. The partnership will enable AB to create meaningful connections between its brands and fans on match day and enhance the in-stadium experience during the club's historic inaugural season next year. So congratulations to City SC. And congratulations to Anheuser-Busch, keeping that footprint firmly planted here in St. Louis, which we like to see.
1: And now here's the part that we're all going to really be interested in. Yes, we love the the collab, two great St. Louis entities coming together. Mm-hmm. It's a natural fit. But Randy, let's talk about the south bar uh, that's going to be inside the stadium. It's called the Ultra Club, 14,000 square feet, feet floor-to-ceiling windows, 360 de- view. Oh my gosh, if I could talk, end of the show. Three I'm never gonna make it to eight fifty. It's gonna be a disaster for me. Three sixty degree views of both the city and the, the pitch. They have 17 LED screens. I'm looking at the renderings that you can see at STL City SC on Twitter, and this space looks unbelievable. So you're gonna find me there. It's
4: gonna be really exciting. A lot and of A B
1: products yeah, there, obviously. Next
4: year on a day like this, City S C is playing when it's ninety degrees. Whew. There's no doubt. That uh, we'll all be hanging out there, so that'll be great. Catch
1: and, us at the Ultra Club.
4: And, I, and I'm glad. Club in town. Yeah, that Bush has such a great long history with soccer, so I'm really glad to see that, that they've gotten so involved with our local side. Right, that's what soccer. We're, we're a side, right? Sure. A uh, Matthew yes, was yes. Okay,
2: side club. I think I think is the technical. Mm-hmm. Okay. Terminology. See,
4: you think you th- you guys thought I you. didn't know that, didn't
1: Look you? At you Randy. I, just, I just don't
2: know how much European terminology we're supposed to bring or we're not supposed to bring. I'm confused about the whole thing.
1: I'm reading a really good book right now on the EPL mm-hmm. and it how really. it, how it became the product that it is. And let me tell you, it's a lot of foreign money.
2: Oh God! I mean, like three of the teams are owned by like Saudi yeah. royal families, or or oh. a, or Arab Emirate royal families, what have you. But
1: what I appreciate about City SC is that they're keeping it very St. Louis. Mm-hmm. They understand that the the local fans are what makes this thing run, and they want it to be so indigenous to us. And that was the big thing about EPL is a lot of these clubs were what made the cities and the towns run, and it was so parochial. <laughs> and all of this foreign money comes in, and they turn it into this massive worldwide product, and it, it takes away some of that local shine. Cool. So it's amazing that St. Louis City SC can do both. They yeah. make it a, a big national and international product while also keeping it very St. Louis. It's a hard line to walk.
4: A, I'm proud of you for reading the book. Hey, thanks. Uh, B.
1: Michael Jr. recommended it to me, and he told me it's the best book he's read in years. So wow. when he tells me that, I'm going to read it. That's
4: great. And he's a an Notre Dame guy, so yeah. he reads. That's
1: right. He's, smart. So, he's a smart guy, not me.
4: Next May 12th, Carriker and Smallman, do we check the MLS standings or the MLS table?
1: Oh, we're table. Ta- we're table in it. We're table the, people. Top, and you know what? City SC top of the table.
4: Oh, I like that. And then the schedule is called the uh It's not the schedule. It's something else.
2: I I got nothing on this one for you.
4: Oh come I on! I have no
2: idea. Really? This is no. This is completely foreign to me. I, 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 the calendar? I don't know. Like what? What do we? What do we go in the docket? Like uh, what, are six five doing seven
4: eight oh, what What do we call the schedule? In soccer. Come on. I know we all know. You guys should know better. Match days? No. uh, What's it called?
2: I got nothing for you.
1: By the way, people are asking about the name of the book. Sorry, I don't think I even gave the name. It's called The Club. It's called The Club, and it says uh, the subtitle is how the... I'm clicking on it right now. How the English Premier League became the richest, most disruptive business in sport. It's called the club. I like it. Okay. Very good. Speaking of ultra club, in the club, soccer is the coolest club to be in. So read the book.
4: It is a cool thing. Uh, fixtures, <laughs> fixtures, <laughs> oh, the
2: fixtures. Okay. Ah, the fixtures.
4: There you go. Okay, got it. All right. We thank uh, our producer engineer Matthew Rocky. Great job as always. Pleasure. Michelle, this has been great.
1: It is LGB
4: and Tarasenko. That's
1: a Big Daddy, Vladdy, Natty Hattie.
4: We need another one of those. <laughs> and we have a balloon party with Tim McKernan and Jackson coming up. TMAC and Ajax on your way here on 101 ESPN. For all of us, we thank you for tuning in, texting, in, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. Let's go blues. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman Podcast. Presented by
0: Dom's Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
5: Cough and cold season is here Introducing Ricola Max Throat Care Ricola's most powerful drop yet It's the best of Swiss nature Wrapped around a powerful liquid menthol center For maximum relief from your worst cough and sore throat Maximum nature for maximum relief Try the new Ricola Max now Available in the cold and cough aisle Ricola It's in our nature
1: Hey hon,
3: what you doing with your phone?